The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. DarkImaginings.com For the deepest, darkest clues, to the backwoods swamp where we hit the bottom, to the inside of your casket, to the fears lying deep inside your subconscious, it's time for the Big Scary Show. Hello, this is David from the Global Scare Network, scaring you with Creatures of the Night out of the Willamette Valley in greater Portland, Oregon. You're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Kate from the Global Scare Network, haunting you from Hello Screen X at Luna Park, Sydney in Australia, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hello, creeps. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of... The Crypt Keeper. <laughs> and you're listening to The Big Scary Show, the top podcast in the industry. <laughs> Hi, this is Carly McLeary from the Global Scare Network, haunting from Darktober at MD's in Scotland, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, I'm Scott from GSN and Fractal Creative in Sydney, Australia. You're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hey, this is Maximus Christian Bryant with the Global Scare Network out of Cincinnati, Ohio, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. You're listening to The Big Scary Show with three big scary men and one that wears more makeup than I do. As your summer winds down, you're getting ready for haunt season. Big Scary Show is back with another amazing episode. And I'll tell you what, this time we reach through time and space itself to bring you an amazing bag of goodies for this episode. We'll start off with Badger doing deadline news, giving you all the information you need to know in the industry. And we'll also hear more from Badger as he has his next installment from Midsummer Screen. That's right, more interviews from that amazing show that just happened out in California, so you'll get to hear more from haunts, vendors, and all kinds of great features from that show itself. Uh, don't forget Meat Hook Jim, he's going to take you between the corpses for a little water torture. Ask the Crone's going to be asking some questions for his first-time haunters. So must see whether you've been doing it for, you know, a first couple of months or this is your first decade into haunting. You need to listen to Ask the Crone this week. And I'm going to haunt to have a haunt minute and a little rant and, you know, I'm going to take you to Gatorland this time. That's right, haunt minute in Gatorland. Ooh, what could possibly happen there? Skunk apes! And... 
we cannot forget the Round Table of Terror. Yeah, that's right. We're going international this time. We're going across the international dateline, and we're bringing you guests from here in the United States, Scotland, and Australia. Yeah, it's, you know, a little mind-bending with it, too. We're going to talk to the uh, international flair of the Global Scare Network. That's right. We'll have members on from the Global Scare Network to find out some of the some of the differences and what's the same about haunts across the globe. Don't miss that. We have some amazing music rocking out for you in this episode, the gruesome giveaway, and lots more goodies. That's right. Big Scary Show episode 270 is here for you right now. The green slimes are here! Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. We are live in beautiful Long Beach, California at Midsummer Scream, my absolute favorite show of the year. And once I found out that this guy was announced as being here, I had to talk to him. You know, the big talk all year long so far has been Rob Zombie's remake of The Monsters. We started talking about this about a year ago. It looks like it's finally here. We have Daniel Roebuck here, who plays Grandpa Munster, among many other roles he's had over his long and storied career. Daniel, how are you doing? I like that, Drew. Long and storied career. That's very nice. I'm doing great. We're having a great time. A lot of fun people uh, dressed up uh, in masks and costumes, and that's just at my table. (laughs) Thank you. I've seen a bunch of Adams Family. I've seen some Munsters. I've seen some, you know, perennial horror favorites and a lot of original stuff. And uh, I assume that most people, when they're coming and talk to you, at least tonight, have been about what's what's Grandpa Munster doing? What's the new Munster movie all about? Yeah, they're definitely very excited about that. But the truth is, it's very funny. People come in while they're talking to me, then all of a sudden they're like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, you were in Matlock." Wait a minute, you're in River's Edge. Wait you're a minute. You're in Lost. You're in Lost. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's a, it's a blessing to be at a place like this and meet people. And you may or may not know this, but I'm actually a fan. So I go to these things a lot, even when I'm not the guy in the movie. I go and I'm the guy buying autographs. You buy a ticket and then you go meet some of these folks. Uh, and I love it and I've always done it. I have books and books of autographs of uh, people that I met over the years. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm not... Look, some actors are thespians. Some actors are born for it. Some actors work in the theater. The, the, the theater is where they do everything. I just want it to be on TV and be in movies. And so uh, I've always been a fan of TV and movies. So meeting other people, like I'm standing here while we're talking, Drew, I'm looking at PJ Souls. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at, you know, Jeff Daniel Phillips. Down the road here is the people from, from Land of the Land Lost. Of the Lost. Yeah, I was wondering why they kept pulling out a, uh, the, the raft. And then you get in the raft and you get a picture. I mean, how great is that? that that's just part of the, the magic of going to shows like this. Yeah. You never know who you're going to run into. A hundred percent. And I've, I've spent many years going to these shows uh, and not having a table. And uh, I would just always say, give me a table to sign stuff if people want stuff signed. Uh, but, yeah, you can meet a guy like me. 
And, and apparently a lot of people have been doing that tonight. It's been absolutely insane for a Friday night show. Now, granted, this show hasn't happened in three years, and Los Angeles has a lot of people. So, but... The numbers of people I have seen here have been just absolutely short of incredible. If well, they else. put on a great show. Uh, David Markland is an old buddy of mine, and he puts on a he simply puts on a great show. Uh, the venue is great. Uh, the people who work the venue are great. The security is great. I mean, it's it's a pleasure to come to shows like this. Uh, and how lucky are we that we live in Los Angeles, where we have. Midsummer Scream, we have Monster Palooza. You know, we have these these shows where people like us, I'm kind of insulting you, Drew. Uh, I only live 2,000 miles away. That's oh, okay. You, where, where do you live? I live in the Carolinas. <laughs> Sucker. I travel here every single year to this show, though. Where do you live in the Carolinas? You're going to come see me, Daniel Roebuck, and Mayberry Days? Maybe so. You know, I only live about an hour and a half from uh, Mount, Airy? Mount Airy. I'll be there this year. Excellent. My first my first time as a guest. Uh, I think that would be fantastic. But like you said, you never know who you're going to see here. I remember the first year we were here, and I was vending at a table, and who walks by? Bill Mosley. Oh. We'd had him on the show a few times. He said, I remember you. And he had just bought a ticket and walked in because he lives just down the road, apparently, or, you know, a few miles away. And, um, you know, with so many Hollywood people here and so many actors and so many film companies and things. Like you said, you never know who you're going to run into. That's the great thing about being here. Although, I'll tell you, if I could just tell you, like, a few weeks ago, I had never been to Mount Airy, and I went to the Andy Griffith Museum. Did you go to the Snappy Lunch? I I did not have time. Ah. I had dinner with Mother, so I had to get on the car and drive. But, But truly, truly, it's crazy. I'm standing in the... I'm sitting in the Andy Griffith Museum, and I'm like... Oh my gosh! I'm in the museum. I'm I'm in the Andy Griffith Museum, and then and then people are like, "Wait, we were? Are you him?" Are you? So there we were. They just went there and there. You're not was. Andy Griffith. No offense. No, but I'm me, the guy who worked with him. That Drew. is true. You know, that is true. Sold me. My no, God. No, 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 no. But people are looking at you like, "Oh my God, it's you!" Well, they know I'm not Andy Griffith. <laughs> That's obvious. And we won't even get into Don Knotts, the late great. Oh, they're actor. all perfect. So tell us a little bit about the Munsters here. I mean, what's it like working with Rob Zombie? He has done so many remakes of, you know, classic 80s horror things, the Halloweens and stuff like that. And now he's ventured into TV, which I assume is a a whole little different ball of wax because the Munsters were not necessarily scary. And I know he's a big fan of campiness, too. So this has to be like a dream come true for him. And you working with him like that had to have been a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a... It's a movie. It's going to be on Netflix, but it is a, a movie. Um, well, look, you know, I keep saying, I don't know, there's not a better person in the world to direct this movie, Drew, because he loves the monsters so much. I, I love the monsters so much. Our, our point of reference with each other while we were shooting was so, like, it was like, oh, you wanted a little more like episode seven? And a little less like episode nine. I got it. I'm I, in. I do, I'm clocking it. I remember him telling Howard Stern that The Monsters was like one of his absolute favorite shows growing up. So this had to have been a dream for him as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all, everything is, now you're putting the microphone in my face so I get to say how I feel. I think everything is God's plan. And I think there's a greater plan for all of us 
And from the beginning, we were all meant to be who we are and what we are. And I was always meant to be Grandpa Munster. Do you know when I was 12, I was a clown in a circus and uh, my clown name was The Count. Interesting. And I was a vampire clown. Hold on one second, Drew. Do you need help? I'm sorry. I'm not. Do you need help? Oh, oh, that's all right. Spacing out is fine. Not a problem here with, uh, with live, not live interviews, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, we're always, uh, you want to make sure that the people come. Absolutely. You're here to be to meeting the fans, and I'm here to talk to you when you have time. Yeah, yeah. So since there are people hanging around, we'll wrap this up just a little bit. Fine. I did have the pleasure of speaking with Al Lewis one time about 35 years ago on one of those late-night talk show hosts. So this is kind of a full circle for me. I oh, finally you, get to you, talk you, to you here. You've met all the grandpas. I've not met him. I, I, I only had oh, a phone interview. Oh, you did a phone. Oh, that's I sat in line. I stood in line on a Sunday night at a phone booth in a rural gas station wanting to call in because he was taking phone calls from some show out of New York that you could only that's hear on really AM. That's really funny. You're kidding. No, that That's was a lot right. of fun. I, I stood and waited out there in the freezing cold because it was an outdoor phone booth. And now I'm here in this wonderfully, yeah, you know, climate-controlled, great, room. great room here talking to lots and lots of different people. Back to Grandpa Munster. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see the show. It's coming out on Netflix when? No, uh, It'll be on September 27th, day and date. You could buy it. You could already go to Amazon and pre-order it. And they'll send it to you on September 27th. That's a plan. And I know you've been doing a convention circuit a good bit, promoting this and some other things. Just a little bit, but I've seen your name out there a bit. Do you have any other appearances coming up as we count down towards this, say, in the next couple of months or so? Yeah, thank you. Um, Well, be at Mayberry Days, uh, although it's not a monster convention, I'm excited to meet the Andy Griffith fans. What are those dates? Uh, That's in September, I think the 21st or the 25th. Uh, you, I will be a bad guest here because I don't know. Uh, they tell me where to go, and I go there. Same with my acting career. I, you know, I know I'm going. I know next week I'm going somewhere to do a movie, and I'll get and to the airport, go. and then I go, and then I come back when I'm done. Well, for people who want to know that information, do you have websites or social well, they, medias where people can follow that? Yes, thank you for asking. They can always find me on uh, social media, Mr. Daniel Roebuck. I'm the verified Daniel Roebuck. You got the blue check on got Twitter? Got the blue check nice. on. Uh, I'm not really on Twitter too much, but on uh, Facebook and on um, uh, Instagram. Instagram yeah. Okay, fantastic. So they can find me there, always find out what's going and on. And I assume you have your appearances listed and things yeah, like that. Yeah, we usually say what we're doing, yeah. Excellent. Well, Mr. Daniel Roebuck, it's been an absolute Thank pleasure you, to Drew. speak to you. It's been, a, as I say, long and storied career with you. You look forward to seeing the monsters coming out on Netflix in September. All the best wishes for this. Maybe there'll be a Monsters 2, 3, 4. Who knows with Rob Zombie. Wouldn't that it, be great? Wouldn't it, though? That's a, You'll cash that check as well as anybody else, I'm sure. But once again, folks, Drew Badger here for the Big Scary Show live at Midsummer Scream in Long Beach, California. And we're out. Thank you, buddy. Absolutely. Good evening. My name is Deadfield, the zombie butler. Visit me and all my friends here at vfxcreates.com and check out the new Putrid Pete, the zombie puppet. We have several new products that you might want to see. (laughs) See you soon at vfxcreates.com Music by Midnight Syndicate Calibris 
Ghost Wolves on the Big Scary Show. Drew Badger here, live on the floor at Midsummer Scream, wandering around, seeing all the very interesting things, and I see this great booth here for something called Creep It Real OC. OC means Orange County around here, apparently. <laughs> so we talked to a couple of the people who are stand, who are creating this thing. I got Kevin here with Creep It Real OC. This is an event that they put on, kind of a big Halloween expo, a lot more family friendly than maybe a traditional haunted attraction or something like that. But Kevin, how are you doing? Oh, doing so great. This is our first time here at Midsummer Scream, and we are having an amazing time. Thanks. I bet you a lot of people are coming up and asking, what's creeping real? Well, that was the goal. We have a big sign here with some lights and stuff, and we're like, we just wanted to create awareness. Um, I think a lot of time, well, I think what our angle is this week is to, or, you know, at this event is to say, what's next? You know, a lot of people look forward to Midsummer Scream so much, and especially after being closed for so many years. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, we're the next uh, thing taking place in Orange County, and that's what we're trying to tell people to head on down there and see us in September. So what exactly is Creep It Real OC, which I understand is happening in Santa Ana? That's right. It's at the Heritage Square, uh, sorry, Heritage Museum of Orange County, which is a really great outdoor location. It has a, a, a neat kind of Halloween vibe that already exists, and we're bringing some spooky vendors and some great live music and a, kind of a, a punk DJ and uh, some great entertainment and characters and some photo locations and great food options to, to add to that ambiance and we think it's going to be a really great time. And, and like we mentioned it's going to be very family friendly. Mm -hmm. Kids are welcome, dogs are welcome, things like that. Kids under 10 are free. Tickets other than that are, are, are pretty inexpensive uh, already and uh, we are running a, a discount while we're at Midsummer Scream, so uh, go to our, our socials and our website for just kind of tickets just through tomorrow night while we're here. Okay, this yeah. will air afterwards, but still, okay. maybe, there may be opportunities <laughs> yeah, yeah. for that again. But um, as far as this, this is like an, a one-day event, a weekend event, the hours and things, how, yeah. how long is this going to be running? So our last year was our first year at this location. We did one event, and it was, uh, it was uh, we, we had to stop selling tickets. Really? And unfortunately, we, Horrible you Horrible know, problem to just have. Just due, well, and yeah, and it was partially due to uh, COVID restrictions for the venue and okay. things like that. So this year we said, we want everybody to come that was turned away. So we are a two-day event, September 10th and 11th this year. Nice. Saturday, Sunday. So Saturday, Sunday, all day over in Correct. Santa Ana at the Heritage Museum, Museum of Orange County. Yeah, Museum of Orange County. It's be a great time for people wanting to get more information. Maybe you've got ticket sales on the website or things like that. For Where sure. can they get that information? Creepitrealoc.com and creepitrealoc. We are on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. Always, Kevin. I wish you yeah. nothing but Thanks success so much, with this. Drew. Going to be any hearses there, maybe? We will have a couple of 1960s hearses. Great, mm. great to add to the vibe there of our kind of our Hitchcock theme. Yeah, it's going to be wonderful. Thank you. I, I was going to say, you know, your your flyers here do have a very familiar silhouette on uh -huh. there. So is there? So the theme is going to be more Hitchcock than anything. Yeah, we like to kind of have some sort of a, a an angle to it, and so we'll have some just 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 little little hints here and there. Very nice. So Creep It Real OC happening September 10th and 11th in Santa Ana. Check out the website. Get yourself some tickets. Bring the family. Bring the kids. Bring the dogs. Grandma. Whatever. It's going to sound like it's going to be a great time. Kevin, a pleasure. Good luck with you. I wish you much success on that. Thank you so much, Drew. My name is Drew Badger for The Big Scary Show. We're here at Midsummer Scream, and we're out. Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunt attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free and see for yourself the difference Fright Find will make in your haunt listing. And ladies and gentlemen, let's find out if you've been listening carefully to the last show because it is time to see if we have a winner for the August gruesome giveaway sponsored by our wonderful friends here at ScreamlineStudios.com. Hot season is fast approaching, so please get over to ScreamlineStudios.com and pick up all your Halloween and Haunted House supplies. Or you can enter the gruesome giveaway every month and possibly be a winner. We asked a question last month of all the entries we received. We randomly selected this one, 
And I believe we have this person on the line. Random caller, what is your name? Where are you located? Randy Gowdy, and I'm in Stittsville, Ontario, Canada. Stittsville. I am unfamiliar with that. Where Where is that located near? Uh, we're just west of uh, the capital city, Ottawa. Okay. I have been to a couple of towns in Canada back when the Canadian Haunted Attractions Conference was a thing. I had gone to Hamilton and could see Toronto, but I never managed to make it up that way. But a beautiful country up there. So uh, how's Ontario these days? I assume it's probably cold and snowy and icy, right? Uh, we're getting there, but hopefully we can avoid it soon. <laughs> all right. Well, great. Well, you know, you've always got to keep warm and all that for those long Canadian winters, I hope. But we hope we can warm you up here with some good news about possibly being the winner here for our gruesome giveaway. So I need to ask you a couple of quick legal questions first. Question number one, have we contacted you in any way other than to tell you when to call in? Nope. All right, question number two. Have you tried to entice us to pick your name out of all the people who entered? No, I have not. All right, well, Randy Gowdy of Stittsville, Ontario, Canada. Uh, you would not be the first Canadian winner if you were, but it's certainly been a while, so let's see if we can send a prize across to the Great White North here. I believe the question was, when I was out in Long Beach, California, talking to Larry Bones of Boneyard Effects at Midsummer Scream, he said that they were hosting a very special guest at Midsummer Scream. Who was that very special guest? Uh, the guest was Eileen Dietz, who is Pazuzu from The Exorcist. And you are absolutely correct. It was Eileen Dietz, a very, very scary character in The Exorcist there. She's a lovely lady and had lots of fans at Midsummer Scream, but the more important thing to remember here is that Randy Gowdy of Ontario, Canada, Stittsville to be in fact, is the winner of the August Gruesome Giveaway. That's awesome. Thanks very much. Oh man, we are glad to do it. Thank you for being a listener and all that. Um, do you work for a haunt? Do you own a haunt? Do you a home haunter or do a big Halloween thing? What do you do up there? Uh, I'm a retired pro-haunter. Um, hopefully we'll get back at it someday, but uh, for now I do a yard display um, for Halloween, hand out candy, all the good stuff. Oh, excellent. Did you have a lot of trick-or-treaters last year? Um, we get a couple hundred in our neighborhood, so Very not nice. Bad. Well, hopefully the prize that Screamline Studios will send you will help you with your yard display this year. Down the line here, we'll get some shipping information to you, but we want to once again congratulate Randy Gowdy of Stittsville, Ontario, Canada for being the August Gruesome Giveaway winner. And of course, we could not do this without our very fine sponsor, ScreenlineStudios.com. Remember folks, Halloween is getting closer and closer with each passing day, so please visit ScreenlineStudios.com. Randy, thank you very much. We uh, hope to hear some good things from you when the uh, when the home haunt goes up. And uh, stay on the line. We'll get some shipping information from you, okay? Will do. Thanks very much. All right. Once again, folks, this is Drew Badger. This is the gruesome giveaway here on The Big Scary Show. Greetings, listeners, Greetings, listeners. And, welcome. and welcome. Watch out. Don't trip Don't over that trip torso. Over that torso. It's time, it's time for Between, for between the, the, 
corpses. corpses. Uh, greetings, listeners. Meat Hook Jim here on this episode of Between the Corpses. We are going to talk about water torture. In medieval times, God was perceived as an all-powerful presence who would protect his own. Accordingly, innocent men could experience divine intervention to prevent them from drowning when they were plunged into water. Out of the firmly held belief in divine intervention came trial by ordeal. The trial began with religious ritual that lasted up to three days. The accused underwent prayer, fasting, exorcism, and other rites before attempting to prove his innocence. With the preparation complete, a pot of water was boiled. The victim had to put a hand or arm up to the elbow into the scalding liquid. Three days later, guilt was discerned through the condition of the wound. If it appeared to be healing... The man had won God's blessing and was innocent. If it was open and sore, the man had been deserted in his hour of need and was guilty. Other trials used cold water. The accused was bound by ankles and feet and lowered into a river or harbor with a rope tied around his waist. A knot was tied in the rope some distance from the body. If it was wet when the man was hauled up, he was innocent. If the water broadly thought of as holy, had repelled the body and the knot was dry, he was guilty. In trial by fire, the accused walked across hot coals or carried lumps of heated iron. Once again, the injuries were inspected to ascertain guilt. Trial by combat assumed that God would defend the righteous. One man would pit his strength against another in a form of duel, with weaker specimens appointing a champion to fight in their corner. The results were not always in the hands of God. A bribe paid to those in charge could substantially reduce the temperature of the water or coals. When fixing became widespread, the Pope banned trial by ordeal in 1215. Although it was little used, the penalty of boiling to death existed in England and claimed at least two poor souls. In 1531, Richard Roos was convicted of poisoning 17 people in the Bishop of Rochester's house, killing two. To deter further skullduggery in the kitchen, a special law was made by which felons were boiled to death and banned from having the last rites. Before the statute was erased 16 years later, made Margaret Daw met the same fate for tampering with food. The Inquisition used more sophisticated methods of water torture, as Scotsman William Lithgow testified. He had been accused of spying in Spain in 1620 and was stretched on the rack before being force-fed water. The first and second drafts I gladly received, such was the scorching drought of my tormenting pain, and likewise I had drunk none for, the, for three days before. But afterward, at the third charge, perceiving this measure of water to be inflicted on me as tortures, oh, strangling tortures. When he clamped his lips together, his mouth was forced open with tools. My hunger clung belly, waxing great, 
grew drum-like and bolstered, for it being a suffocating pain in regard of my head hanging toward downward and the water reengorging itself in my throat with a struggling force. It strangled and swallowed up my breath from yowling and groaning. The technique of force-feeding water to induce the sensation of drowning has been used throughout subsequent centuries and even in modern times. The Inquisition refined numerous other methods, including slowly dripping water onto the victim's forehead, driving them gradually insane. The Dutch embellished the method by pouring water down the throat of a pinion victim through a cloth, forcing the material down the throat. Wow. Okay. Uh, I think I'll pass on water torture, but we'll catch you on the next episode. Hello everyone, it's Drew Badger, and this is Deadline News for episode 270. Now we're going to kick things off with news from the Motor City Haunt Club regarding their annual haunted garage sale in Dearborn, Michigan. We have a call for volunteers. We have already seen posts regarding volunteering at this year's MCHC annual haunted garage sale on Saturday, October 1st at the Dearborn's Ford Community and Performing Arts Center Contact us at garagesale at motorcityhauntclub.com if you can help out. This year we are pleased to offer a voucher to all volunteers for the food trucks that will be on site that day. We'll be having a volunteer coordination meeting in mid-September, so stay tuned for an announcement about that. Let the countdown begin, and more information on the garage sale can be found at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash mchc annual haunted garage sale we have some news from the myers house nc and onset cinema join onset cinema at penny's gas station in stockton utah on saturday september 24th for a very special screening of halloween 4 the return of michael myers They'll be setting up a screen just outside the service station, and fans will be able to watch the movie exactly where Michael drives through one of the bay doors with a tow truck and almost runs over Dr. Sam Loomis, creating a massive gas explosion. Pennies will be open before the screening, and fans will be able to eat dinner and get pre-movie snacks inside the cafe, exactly where Loomis discovers the dead waitress and comes face-to-face with Michael and asks him not to return to Haddonfield. There will also be a guided tour of the entire property, including the inside of the service station so you can see where Michael kills the mechanic and gets his coveralls. Stockton is just 45 minutes outside of Salt Lake City and the drive is absolutely beautiful. It's highly recommended to make a weekend trip out of this. This is going to be an incredible experience for Halloween 4 fans. Just remember though, you can't kill damnation. It don't die like a man dies. All event details, and to get your tickets, visit MyersHouseNC.com slash OnsetCinema. We have an update from the Fear Farm Haunted Attraction in Blacksburg, South Carolina. We have an all-new attraction alert. The new attraction for our 2022 season is Twisties Tricks and Treats. This clown-themed attraction will take you through his new Carnival Midway and Twisties Ice Cream Truck. 
Be prepared for some tricks and a few treats. Only at the Fear Farm, five attractions this year at one location. Get more information at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash scfearfarm. We have this update from the Howling Haunted Trail in Fenton, Michigan. Save the dates, this year is bigger and better with a longer trail. We even have some new additions that we know will scare the pee right out of you. The best part, you don't have to wait in line. You can have an adult beverage or play cards, cornhole, or even keep warm by the fire pit. We're opening on October 7th. Get more information on their Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Howling Haunted Trail. We have this news from the abandoned haunted house in Mount Pleasant, Wisconsin. Have you ever wanted to find a part-time job that you get paid for having fun and making lifelong friends? Here it is. Get paid to scare. No experience necessary. Whether you're a seasoned actor or brand new to the excitement of the industry, we're here to help guide you to be successful and confident. Get more information at AbandonedHauntedHouse.com slash hiring. We have this news from Fright Kingdom in Nashua, New Hampshire. Join our amazing team this season and get paid to scare people. We're hiring for all positions, scare actors, security, parking, and support staff for the upcoming season. Message us if you're interested or visit us on September 10th from 12 to 3 p.m. Visit frightkingdom.com for more information. We have this from Barrett's Haunted Mansion in Abingdon, Massachusetts. We have an important update on tickets. This year we are implementing a date-specific ticket and you will have limited tickets available each night. When you purchase your ticket online, you will choose a date for your visit and your ticket will be good for that night only. This will help maintain shorter and more controlled line times. It's not a time ticket, just day-specific, similar to an event, concert, or show ticket. We'll also have limited on-location tickets available for each night as well. In the event of a closure, we will reach out to ticket holders to exchange their ticket for another night. In years past, our tickets were good for any night, and understand this change may take some getting used to, but please know this note, this decision was made after a lot of discussion on help, how we can help minimize wait times and still allow us to give you the great show that we strive for. We're also implementing other changes to help with crowd flow and timing, adding more stage shows and inline entertainment. We hope you understand and look forward to seeing you all soon. Sincerely, Barrett's Haunted Mansion. Get more information at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash Barrett's Haunted Mansion. And finally, we have this update from Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando, Florida. We have an announcement announcing the weekend after hours nightmare. Prepare to enter the macabre mind of the weekend in this haunted house as he stalks you and your friends through the surreal living nightmare of his after hours music. His nightmare is now yours. All tickets and packages are now on sale. Summon your Scream Squad to Universal Orlando's Halloween Horror Nights, the world's premier Halloween event. Face ten haunted houses, five scare zones, two live shows, and some of Universal Studio Florida's most exciting attractions. Go to universalorlando.com slash hhn slash en slash us for more information.
Remember, folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. <laughs> Want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror? Then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. Since 2007, professional and home haunters alike have trusted our award-winning and dedicated skeleton crew to make their nightmares come true. Whether you need graphic design services, logos, websites, spooky visuals, or creepy changing portraits, we can help your business look its scary best. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. <laughs> Hello everybody, Drew Badger here live at Midsummer Scream. We're hanging out in the middle of the Hall of Shadows and taking up the center portion of the Hall of Shadows is the Decayed Brigade. You may remember we did a round table on sliders a while back. Talked to a few of them from around the country, but one of the names that kept popping up was the Decayed Brigade down here in Southern California. A bunch of actors Mostly working at Not Scary Farm, but they are extraordinarily talented sliders. A lot better than I could do, and I'm about 100 pounds heavier than when I was a slider. But I'm talking to Chase here with the Degay Brigade. How are you, sir? Doing very well. Thank you very much. The, uh, the show so far has been nothing short of insane as far as numbers of people. You've been putting on three shows a day, Saturday, Sunday. How have the crowds been, and what are they seeing? The crowds are great. I mean, it's the biggest convention that they have in a long time. Midsummer Scream, I think they're saying about 50,000 people, and we can see it when it comes to our shows. I mean, we're about three to four lines deep when, when, when our shows are performing. They're only 15 to 20 minutes long, but you can see it. You can tell that the. I feel like the convention shuts down when our shows come because everybody is here. But the shows have been great. The love and support from the crowd, hearing them cheer for us for how long we've been practicing. Just to hear those cheers and wows and claps and screams, it makes us do what we do, right? It keeps us going and motivated. And then, you know, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. And for those of you who may have never have seen a slider in action, there are videos all over YouTube and other places and things. Or maybe you work at a haunted trail where sliders aren't practical. What exactly makes sliders so scary? What makes them so cool to watch? And how much talent and practice do you need to become a really good slider? So sliding, a lot of people think we have rollerblades on. Or we have rollerblades on our knees. Like, you guys got rollerblades on? You got skates on? We're like, no, actually, it's ramp pads. It's skate pads, right? So they're plastic pads. We have steel toes on our toes, and we have metal on our gloves. So that's what makes us have our speed and accuracy when it comes to that. So if we had anything else, we'd be dragging a little too much, and we wouldn't be able to do what we do, right? I have actually used rollerblade knee pads. Have they, you? They, they were, you know, back in my day, and we're not going to say how old I am, but... That, that was, like, the best thing you could use at the time. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what's funny is that you could use rollerblades, and the fact is that the downfall is you have really no way of stopping. 
So a lot of times with those, you can sail, right? You can just oh, yeah. fly. And, you know, but the downfall is, you know, you have to have that accuracy where you can stop and pop up real quick or bail out, right? So for us, <clears throat> we've doing a lot of our sliders have been doing it for years, 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 years. And we do a lot of practicing for our shows. We do four to five hours each practice and twice a week. And we practice about six months before the convention. You know, we take a little hiatus because we all go work at Not Scary Farm, right? We all go do our, what we love to do. And we get to slide there, too. So technically, it started as a tool to scare, right? So you slide, jump up at somebody, and scare them. You don't expect to be scared from beneath when you're walking around. You always expect things to come at you from above, from the side, from the front, back, but never from below. And that's what really gets people. I love it. And what's funny is I'm 6'4", so I'm always looking ahead, right? I'm not looking down. Nobody really looks down. If you look down, then you're going to run into people, right? So that's what's nice about sliding because you're looking up the whole entire time. You're not looking down below. And then you know that there's somebody in your face. But we turned that into an entertainment group, right? We turned it into a, a, um, a show that everybody loves. So give you a little bit of a history on sliding and how the shows were. At Not Scary Farm, 11.45 at night, um, we would have a 15-minute show for all the uh, guests that came into the park. They kind of nixed that due to fire issues, just stuff like that, just, you know, fire laws. But if they didn't do that, we wouldn't be here today. So Rick, about eight years ago, nine years ago, came up to us and said, hey, can you guys take that show and do it in the convention status? We're like, let's do it, Rick. So we started it out. Next thing you know it, Decay Brigade was born, and here we are, right? I mean, every single year we get asked back. Every single year we get more and more people. Um, uh, with the crowds this year, it just shows. And you guys will hear it if you guys are here for the third show. I kind of do like a, a memorial for all the people that we've lost in, in the past couple years. Uh, but I do recognize the crowd because if it wasn't for this crowd and for these people loving and the love and support of what we do, we wouldn't be here. Now, for the benefit of those people who aren't able to see this, I assume there are YouTube videos or other places where people can see this. Or do you make appearances at other conventions, say Monster Palooza, Son of Monster Palooza, or anything like that where people can see you without having to wait all the way until October to go to nuts? Yeah, so all of our shows are recorded. They will be uploaded probably about a week or two after the convention, after doing some editing and this and that. But they are on our YouTube channel. Go Just uh, go on YouTube, type in Decade Brigade, and all of our videos and everything from the past will be there as well. Or you can go on our Instagram or our TikTok now, um, and you can just type in Decade Brigade, and you'll find everything online. Do you guys make other appearances other than Midsummer Scream? So we have in the past. Uh, due to COVID, obviously, that kind of died down. We um, we did uh, YouTube's um, um, Haunt Party. We've done Snapchat's Haunt Party. We've done, uh, actually, birthday parties. They've actually hired us to do birthday parties. We've done, um, we actually did this really cool thing for kids at schools. We have sliding into reading, and we're, gonna, we're trying to see if we can venture back into that. But with COVID and everything, it's kind of, sure. it's kind of hard. But Sliding in the Rain is really cool. We dress up as Dr. Seuss characters, Harry Potter characters, and we actually promote physical education and reading at the same time. That's fantastic. So we actually try to give back to the kids and everything. And we, you know, we don't get paid for any of this. We do this all for free. We are, the only stuff that we make our money on is our merch that we sell within the support of our fans. But that goes right back into our production. So for people wanting more information on the Decade Brigade, maybe you'd like to bring them to a school or a location near you, or maybe buy a T-shirt or a hat or something to support them in their various ventures. How can people get a hold of you with websites, social medias, etc.? So you can always, I, I actually manage the email, and it's decaybrigade at gmail.com. Um, you can email, email us there, or you can go on any of the social platforms and find us there. Just type in Decay Brigade, and we'll be right there. Excellent. Chase, pleasure to have you here on the Big Scary Show. Appreciate Look that. forward to seeing your show today, which is Sunday, 
Midsummer Scream is in no means winding down yet. We're just getting started. And we're out. The Roundtable of Terror is very proudly sponsored by HauntPay. Whether it's time ticketing, virtual queue lines, or anything else related to online ticket sales, have Alex and his staff set you up at hauntpay.com. Ladies and gentlemen, that music you do hear does once indeed signify that the Round Table of Terror is on the air. We hope you're enjoying all the other coverage of Midsummer Scream that we went to several weeks ago. We certainly had a great time there, and we're going to have a great time here talking on the Round Table of Terror. Well, as you know, folks, Halloween is fast approaching and we see so many things going on all across the united states spirit halloween stores are opening up and spooky movies are being announced as they're coming out on either netflix or in theaters or other things like that but let's not forget halloween is not strictly an american holiday it is in fact a global holiday celebrated in many many different countries we have had shows before with people who have run haunted attractions in other countries we've had authors on who have traveled around the world doing their coveraging and researching of halloween events and i will say i have to thank maximus bryant from columbus ohio who's been on the show even recently <laughs> for suggesting this topic when he was at the Haunters Against Hate convention in Kentucky in July, he was talking about something called the Global Scare Network. And I had never heard of this, and it sounded very intriguing. And he suggested, why don't we get the Global Scare Network on the show? And I said, why the heck not? So we have members of the Global Scare Network with us tonight. So... We're going to talk to some international folks from various strange time zones and various strange countries where everything's trying to kill you and other things. And let's talk about what they do, how they benefit the global haunt industry and all sorts of things. Let's start up, not necessarily international, but up in the great Northwest. Portland, Oregon is the home of David D. Jones of the Global Scare Network. David, are you with us? Yes, I am, Drew. Thank you. It is very great to have you on the show. Have you gotten snow yet? Uh, uh, it's just, no, no, we're not. not okay. Always, always asking. Every time I've gone out there, which has been once, there was snow. So, you know, just asking. Um, let's go a little international. Let's head over to Glasgow, Scotland, and talk to Carly. I believe the last name is McCleary. Carly, are you with us? I sure am. Hi. It is very nice to talk to you. I believe it is after midnight at the time of this recording in Scotland. So perfect time to talk about spooky stuff. Absolutely. And I'm coffee, <laughs> which is what is keeping me awake right now. Awesome. 
And let's go to the future where it's actually tomorrow morning. I don't, ex- I don't under- claim to understand this stuff, but let's talk to Scott Ince and Kate Englefield from Sydney, Australia. How are you guys doing? We're good. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. <laughs> We're also fueled by coffee over here too. <laughs> Very nice. And up in Columbus, Ohio, the person responsible for this and newly engaged Maximum Christian Bryant, welcome to the show. Congratulations on the engagement. Let's have a big round of applause. Woohoo! Oh, I'm I'm so lucky she said yes. So uh, <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah, that ring looked expensive. So you you're you're very lucky. Not too late to run. Anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. Do want to introduce our regular hosts as well. Up in Warwick, Rhode Island, we have Storm. I'm full of iced coffee to keep up with the seasons and time zones and days and everything and lobsters. So that's the only way I'm dealing with it. That was a mighty impressive lobster you posted on social media the other day. Every lobster is mighty impressive. <laughs> Very nice. Down in Cincinnati, Ohio, we have Meat Hook Jim. Beer. That is all. What else do you really need, right? Right. Out in Fayetteville, Arkansas, we have Jonna, a.k.a. the Old Crone. Welcome. Welcome. Now, if you have trouble understanding any of the accent, specifically coming from me, it's called Hillbilly. (laughs) You don't have an accent at all. My name is Drew Badger. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. I am enjoying a very fine green tea with honey and ginger, which keeps my self slightly caffeinated since i don't do coffee but um global scare network again this is an interesting um idea i i will admit i am not familiar with this so please whoever wishes to be the spokesman here tell us what exactly the global scare network is well i'm just gonna jump in real quick and say that All of us coming together is because of David D. Jones. So I'm going to just lead him in so that he can sort of explain how we got together and our goals because he speaks the best on it. So there it is. You fool. Um, Global Scare Network, I guess our primary goal is that we are focused on the education, coaching, consulting, uh, and to haunted attractions around the world, as well as the audiences for them. Um, We're fortunate enough to work with people from Scotland, Australia, Midwest, and we get to do lectures and panels, and we get to talk on global local storytelling and training and haunted attractions, management, set design, construction, prop creation, development, finance, marketing. Um, But what kind of brought us all together, and it's it's kind of like a, a culmination of kind of what you always hoped for, but it never occurred to you that that's what you kind of always wanted. It was one of those things that you never realized like, oh yeah, I kind of been wanting this for decades. This is kind of always what I wanted to grow up and do or be. Um, We started during lockdown and I actually, you know, for the rest of GSN, if you guys want to get in, because this is an origin story from around the world. So there's different parts. So we started uh, just before lockdown began. Um, I met Maximus at HauntCon in New Orleans. And I was teaching a class and he was asking re- 
really intriguing questions. And we ended up talking afterwards. And Maximus said, kind of like your thoughts chime in. And we started talking. And then afterwards, we started doing phone calls of doing some character work. No, it was great. I mean, first of all, the class was phenomenal. Like it, it was one of the more in-depth looks at um, character development. And so I knew David was a, a very deep thinker at that point. And so we exchanged contact information and we've been able to stay in touch afterwards. <clears throat> yeah. And then uh, not terribly long after we were teaching and Carly, Scott, Kate, you're going to have to remind me what the convention was, but we were doing another class, except it was an extended like three and a half to four hour seminar where we did a presentation and then actually went kind of off and then just did this huge workshop program. Do you guys remember what that was? Was it um, Fear Expo? Is that the one of the online one that we did? Yeah. 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 And that at that point, you know, during lockdown, everyone was doing the teleconference. And that's kind of actually what allowed this. If it honestly hadn't been for lockdown, we would have been doing all these presentations in person and we wouldn't have had the opportunity to talk because, you know, people flying across, it's, it's, it's some money. So well, we. Earlier, we hadn't had a chance to do an expo or anything like this ever because we've never had anything like that here before. So as soon as we saw that all the American ones were going to be available to us in Australia, we just jumped onto everything and registered for everything we could because it was the first time we had an opportunity to um, connect with people from overseas in this way. Yeah. And so when by the end of the you know, seminar class, just suddenly things started clicking. You just started realizing that you, I, I had just, stumbled into these brilliant, thoughtful, creative people who really treated this as a craft and not just, you know, some sort of extended or, or you know, hobby. These were people who really took it seriously and were looking at this at kind of deep themed, you know, kind of wells. And so we kind of just reached out to each other and say, you wanna? But again, it really came about one of those um close a door, open a window, you know, brilliant, wonderful coincidences, people just happening to meet that you would have never planned or have done with intent or, you know, accident worked in our favor. And so once we started talking, we started meeting, we started collaborating, we started presenting. And I think we've kind of also become incredibly fast friends. And we, you know, we're meeting at least weekly and talking about subjects of cryptids, mythologies, practices, etc. And it's just kind of blossomed and grown. And it's, it's just the greatest gift. It's one of the best parts of our week. It's the business meeting everyone looks forward to. And I'm going to stop rambling now. Oh, please continue to ramble. This is this is fascinating. I'm, I'm always curious how people meet people from say other countries like this, unless they meet them initially in person. Like you said, you met Maximus at, at HauntCon in New Orleans. And, and I know that the, uh, the retail show at the time was paired with them and they had buyers from all over the world. And, and these shows have attendees that come in from all over the world, especially, you know, trans world and, and the retail show and things. So I was just curious if you knew people in Scotland and Australia or other places beforehand or, or how, you hooked up whether someone said hey i know somebody that would be interested in this or no absolutely or not. not in fact uh, in my previous incarnation I, I did a lot of international business and one of the things that we 
I, I noted was that people who engaged in international business because they wanted to, as opposed to the, you know, the company or whatever had them do it, or, you know, they had to through government military, that people who deliberately chose to go into international, there was this common thread that they invariably, we would become best friends because there's this willingness to acknowledge, I know what I know, but the reason I want to talk to people from other parts of this planet is because they know something I don't know. They know things I don't. There's things that I want to figure out that they see. I want to see things through their eyes. And that seems to be this common thread of anyone that we talk to who willingly you know, and excitedly engaged in wanting to do business in international. It was almost like a personality or value that was being uh, turned into some way of that they could actually monetize and make a living out of that they were actually taking a part of who they were, that questioning, interesting, intrigued, artistic person, and they were looking for connections and they were looking for it on a much broader scale, if that makes any sense whatsoever. And so when we, you know, and we had not, none of us had met until we literally met at haunt conventions online. It's like a really bad Tinder date, but through haunting. That's so fantastic. How many nationalities do you have? How many nations are represented in your in your group? So there's us in Australia, um, Scott and Kate in Australia. Then we have Carly in uh, Scotland, and then we have all of our wonderful American folks. <laughs> so you're the entire you're the entire network. At, at the moment, we, we are like so when we met we met and we started doing like uh, convention panels, and um, it was only within the last year. Uh, that we decided to put a name to our group uh, because uh, Scott and Kate were getting ready for their season. And then I made them like, I think it was like a 10 minute video about haunt basics, uh, like haunt acting, like pop scares, yada, yada, so on and so forth. And I sent that video to them. And then they had this idea of like, well, you know, what, what if we were able to come together and maybe start uh, maybe making some training modules. And so we started meeting much more regularly and talking over things and going <clears throat> and then coming up with topics that we would like to teach at shows. So like, for example, Fear Exposer, uh, we did West Coast Haunters Convention. We did Haunters Against Hate, the event. Um, so, you know, right now it's the five of us. And, uh, you know, what's been great about the group is, like uh, David said, we've kind of really become great friends. But, you know, we're 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 looking at the group we have now. And, you know, if there was ever an individual that came across that, you know, also was a great representative of the uh, international haunter scene that uh, worked well with the group, you know, we would love to, I think, hear from them as well, because uh, the, I think the whole thing is looking at haunting from an international perspective. I know a couple no, of the, people. The, the neatest thing with uh, international too, and and you know why I think we don't see as many groups is there's so many differences in um, how different cultures are scared and what they find scary. Have you guys found more uh, things that you have in common and and do as a haunt, or have you f found a lot of those differences with networking uh, internationally? Like, um. Uh, can I jump in for that one? I think um, we, what we first discovered was there was lots of stories that maybe I told in Scotland that wouldn't work anyone else, anywhere else and vice versa. So there were stories that were very specific to our own hometowns and the area where our haunts 
go ahead and that made it resonate and work very well for us but if it was taken over to Australia it, it wouldn't translate at all so I think we found that really early on and that was what we found really interesting because then we all learned about different cultures and the the different fears that that are locally um, and how they were worked into each individual haunt so that was for me that was one of the most interesting parts at the start. Yeah, and I think for us in Australia, we, 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 we're not surrounded by Halloween and we're not surrounded by horror because nobody really does Halloween over here. I mean, I've been to a couple of Halloween parties over the last um, kind of 15 years that I've lived here, but nobody really does that kind of thing. So for us, reaching out to Australia, sorry, to American audiences and um, Scot Scottish people, um, Scottish audiences, it was amazing because we all of a sudden were, we could expand out and we could learn so much more about um, not only the stories, but like how things come together, the different materials that people use, um, different soundtracks or sounds, because sounds are really important and different sounds in different places spark different things in people as well. So yeah, we've just been learning so much about how different people from different places are scared and also what the universal fears are that unite us as, um, as a, a whole world. I think last year uh, we did a panel about uh, storytelling and I remember listening to Scott and Kate speak about like the haunts that they were doing. And I remember um, uh, I think there was a, a haunt portion uh, that, that had a, that was kind of like a Japanese folklore, if I yeah. remember right. And, but that was because where they are, I think there's a pretty large population in that area. And so the story really reflected with their audience. And so that's why they, um, you know, themed the haunt in such a way uh, to do that. And so it, that was really fascinating for me because yeah. I don't think I would have done that you know, like in my home haunt or, or even any haunt in my area wouldn't necessarily do that. Yeah, Australia seem, is made up of um, lots of people who have kind of all migrated here. So we've had lots and lots of migrants, and especially um, Japanese, Chinese, and um, Asian migrants that come here. So we um, we decided to do a maze that really catered to that audience, um, and it was an illusion, illusion maze um, full of Japanese folklore stories set in a museum. Um, so yeah, we catered to that market, and it was it was. It's really cool. I think our, our starting base was that haunts, the more you unpeel the layers of it, haunting Halloween is universal to our species. It appears in every single culture. There is an acknowledgement. There is a celebration or at least an acknowledgement of death or of ending. And every culture has a version of it. And the more that we looked in the history, haunting itself dates back not hundreds, but tens of thousands of years. And the more and more that we find out in the histories and archaeologic, you know, studies, et cetera, that the, wow, that sounded so poorly coming out. So what we discovered <laughs> is that through ancient history, archaeology, that haunting actually dates back tens of thousands of years and that it is almost universal to our species every single culture seems almost driven to make a bower a hole or take people into a cave and say these are the mysteries or this is the other thing and then guide them back into the light the world of the living and so there were universal stories you know Jungian 
collective conscious or unconscious that there were these shared ideologies and these shared themes that you would run across all over the world. And those are the basis of a lot of our ghost stories and cautionary tales. And there is a lot of universality, but the thing that made GSN so much fun is that every single place has a regional difference because there are different fears, different stories in each of those areas. And those are the ones that they're reflecting at that time at that story. So each haunt is always at the beginning, a prognostication of, you know, 10 months or plus in the future of what will my local community, what will my local society be scared of in 10 months? What will be, you know, kind of the national or global fear that we'll be addressing? And so the you know, we start off from this universality, but the the way that that manifests with how much Sydney is such an incredible melting pot of radically different and conflicting cultures and how Scotland has this incredibly deep, rich history of, you know, fey, Celtic, pre-Celtic, Victorian, these amazing stories from ghosts to, you know, the knuck levee to, you know, these incredible juicy and even more so the differences between the way that in the Pacific Northwest that they enjoy storytelling is very different than the way that the Midwest tells story. And therefore, as it continues to you know, kind of branch out, the, the stories that are told in the Midwest are very different than the ones that we chose to tell in the Pacific Northwest and the intensity and style. So it was a combination of our differences and our commonality that kind of it excites and inspires and just doesn't give us an end to new thoughts and conversations. So I want to remind everybody, you are listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on the Big Scary Show. We are talking about the Global Scare Network with our very special guest, David D. Jones in Portland, Oregon, Carly McCleary in Glasgow, Scotland, Scott Ince and Kate Engerfeld in Sydney, Australia, Maximus Bryant in Columbus, Ohio, our usual host. We're going to take a very brief break here to focus on our sponsor which by the way is haunt pay i forgot to mention that at the beginning of the um of the round table and we'll be right back are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction haunt pay has the answer we skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots variable ticket types bundle and combo tickets social media discounts and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Roundtable of Terror, talking the Global Scare Network with members Scott Ince, Kate Engelfield from Sydney, Australia, Carly McCleary from Glasgow, Scotland, or Scotland, David D. Jones from Portland, Oregon, Maximus Bryant from Cincinnati, Ohio. And speaking of people from Cincinnati, Ohio, I believe Meat Hook Jim had a question he wanted to ask coming out of the break. I do. I do. Now, I understand. Kate, you're from England, correct? That is correct. Yes, I'm from London. And Carly, you're in Scotland. Yeah, that's right. Okay. 
How long have you two been in this industry? Um, I don't mind starting. Um, I started in 2008. Um, I started off by working in haunts for Sudden Impact Entertainment. Um, so my first one was Prison Break Live, The Riot. Um, and I was the, the helpful scare. So I was like a, a nurse who was being helpful and drawing people on their adventure. Um, and then I did a few haunts with them over the years, but then I first started designing haunts in 2015. Um, and I've been doing that ever since. Okay. What about you, Carly? I started by accident. I'm a scaredy cat. Um, and um, I got kind of just fell into um, helping design and write a script for a haunt in a local theme park in 2014. And then I... 2015 I took over producing it as well as writing the scripts for it so I just had to kind of learn on my feet um but I love it now that like I wouldn't go through any mazes or anything probably beforehand and I I just think it's one of the the kindest industries like it's such a supportive like inclusive industry um and it's one I'm really proud to be part of now it's definitely a great industry. Um, the reason I asked this question of both of you is because there used to be a magazine that was published in London, uh, probably in the early 2010s, called Scare World Magazine. Are you familiar with it? Familiar, but haven't haven't done much to do with it. No, because I, did, I didn't start haunting until I moved to Australia, which is a funny place to start haunting it. I've got a two-page article in one of the one of the um, issues of Scare. Uh, uh, quit self-promoting yourself. <laughs> but I remember that. Um, I remember there's a there's a big show. I, I believe it's still going on called ScareCon. Were either of you involved in that, or is that still going on over in Britain? Yes. Yeah, it is still going on. We get reviewed by them um, each year, so they usually come along to our haunt and review. Um, we actually got nominated last year for Best Theme Park event at ScareCon, which was very exciting. Um, Congratulations. Thank you, yeah, um, because we were up against some really, really big theme parks, so it was just nice to be kind of acknowledged. Um, so, yes, I know Michael Bolton... Um, as he's done loads for um, the ski industry in the UK and I think um, he'll continue to do something. He obviously really loves the industry and it comes across, I think, when he does events, you know, the, his passion for it. Very nice. Are primarily theme parks where people go in order to get their scares on in the during the haunt season or are there you know, quote unquote, professional haunts or home haunters anywhere in the uh, countries? I mean, in Scotland, there's not really home haunts, but there, there are, it's farms um, are becoming more and more popular in um, like garden centers, things like that as well. Um, wait, but theme parks, I, wait, I think no, it started what? off in wait, theme parks. Wait, no, garden centers? Garden centers, <laughs> yeah. Don't tease that out. Just let that hang. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like a little shop of horrors, maybe. I don't. I don't know. You know Actually, it's, 
Um, it was corn mazes that they did in the local one up here. It was a corn maze they did. They have got a huge kind of um, bit of like agricultural land and they grew corn on it and made a corn maze at the local garden centre. <laughs> I guess I guess like garden centers over here are more going to be like um small farms with tea rooms <laughs> and cultural thing I guess like you were thinking of something completely different there weren't you <laughs> we like to send our guests through a home depot where they have access to chainsaws machetes <laughs> shovels <laughs> You can oh, also get your that. That at the same time. <laughs> so now yeah, we know I, it's I, no I, coincidence. They sell those 12-foot skeletons there. Mm, but I, think I, I think I get that too, because, you know, the farm I worked at was more of a garden center because their biggest uh, sales was the mulch and a couple of uh, um, greenhouse grown vegetables and trees and stuff you know we we had like 18 acres but we mostly was unused that we just used it for the haunt so I, I could see you know it might be a little in translation and culture where a farm you know especially in like Scotland might be huge vast acres vast tracts of land uh compared to like here where something that's localized and right off a road you know we consider a farm but it might be more of a garden center but yeah it, it, to us in the states we we get the you know the the outdoor part of a walmart in there where there's always a couple birds dead plants which will be a good beware the compost bins of death i got an interesting um i'd be curious to know what um the American version of Halloween is viewed upon to the folks in Australia and Scotland. Do you guys, you know, take influences from what the Americans do? I mean, do you guys think, you know, uh, I, I cannot imagine you guys using, you know, horror icons over here, like the Freddy Kruegers and the Jasons and the Michael Myers from movies, but do you guys look upon it or, and think, well, I wish we could be more like the haunted houses in the Midwest or in Texas or in Florida or things like that? For us over here, like I said, we don't we don't have much here. We don't really have any home haunts. Um, we're, we're one of the only events that run in uh, New South Wales, and there's really not much out there. So for us, we look at the American industry and we look at what, what you guys do in America and think how wonderful it would be to have a whole community getting involved in scaring and the haunt. And really for us, that's what we want to really promote is the idea of people coming together to enjoy the bonding and that process of um, being together, coming out and knocking on your neighbor's doors for candy and things so that people all come together in a community. And I think that that's what we are really striving for. Um, we, we, we work in a theme park as well. Um, but we're we're really trying to create that community feel within the theme park so that it's people from all different areas who all love Halloween coming together to enjoy the different elements of Halloween that they like. So I feel like with our Halloween event, we really have to think about 
all the different things that people love about Halloween. So um, different um, different themes and different stories, um, and we have to bring them all together so that we can satisfy the entirety of the um, New South Wales audience when they come to a Halloween um, Halloween event. We have to really run the gamut of um, different kind of Halloween styles, themes, um, and different kinds of scares. So we kind of try and do the different creepy scares and the more jump scares. And um, so we, we really have to think about it from kind of a really holistic um, perspective, I guess, because um, we just don't have what you have. Well, like uh, Scott, I remember you and I talked and you once told me that like Halloween is not your big draw to the industry. So like, like what, what is like, what is your draw to uh, like scaring folk in the industry? Well, I, I mean, Kate did it her first year and she did it on her own. And then I came in the second year to help her and I was literally just building props and I loved it. And then I did the event. We did three. How many nights was that? Three or four nights. That, the, the second, second year. year was three nights. My first year was two nights. Second year was three nights. We're doing 11 nights this year. Yeah. And it, <laughs> it's just like the, it was so just the festival of it. I loved it. I loved running around fixing everything that night because everything we built broke we didn't really know how much the actors were gonna just break everything so every year it's just gotten bigger and bigger and then once we kind of joined up with, with these guys just the knowledge base expanded because we had no influence here we had no one we could actually ask oh how do you do this or is there a better way to do that so um, you don't know what you don't know so it's it's been vital for our kind of um, ex- expansion in our knowledge base and, and our skill set has just sort of leaped because of it. So it's it's been fun. And immersing so. ourselves in horror as well, in the horror industry. Before this, we were both just film folk. Yeah. Um, and now we've jumped into the world of horror. So it's just been a massive learning curve over the last um, kind of eight years that we've been designing haunts of just throwing ourselves into horror. See, I love going to conventions and such. And so like when I go, I have to take a bunch of photos so I can send it to Scott, Kate and Carly because they don't get to come over and see a lot of these conventions. So I got I got to like I got to share with them what's going on. And and I love, uh, you know, just being able to do that with them while they share um, their, you know, like, you know, both. Carly, Scott and Kate, you know, they, they work with a theme park. And so, you know, the way that they have to uh, go about building their sets and, and, and putting the haunts on uh, has, al- has always been interesting to me and uh, learning a lot from them about like how they, how they deal with their actors and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Like our crazy three day bump in because we work in a theme park, we have to do everything in three days. So we build everything off site, and then we, we uh, transport it in three days to get everything in and up and ready to go. And then it's bam, the event starts. So um, that's, I think that's kind of different to how you guys over there often work. How long does your theme park season last? Well, our first year, like I say, it was two days. Uh, We've built up to 11 days over the last eight years. And next year we're doing 21 days, I think. Um, The the idea has yeah. always been eventually we'd like to do a month. So we are trying to emulate um, the US in terms of drawing out our season for as long as we possibly can. But yes, yeah, so hopefully next year, 21 days and we will get to the month eventually. Well, it's not just weekends though, is it? It's like, it's like the whole week. Yeah, yeah. We're doing 21 consecutive days next year. And this year we're doing 11 consecutive days. So. Jeez. Awesome. Yeah. What's your audience, it, like the age group? Are you seeing the adults being interested in your um, 
haunted attraction part or is it you know teenagers uh what are you guys seeing it's um, re um recommended for age 14 plus um although people with younger kids can come i mean our kids are really mm -hmm. into scary things um so they would probably be fine but um so yeah we, we see a bit of a gamut really don't we kind of anywhere up to it is it's very broad it's teenagers yeah. up to you know yeah anything and everything anything. really so, yeah we kind of aim them at yeah kind of i mean the, the base group would be between 18, 20 20 and 35s i think so um yeah but yeah we um yeah, it's interesting here in the states the theme park ones you're seeing a a more mature group mainly because the price structure is so much and while your local haunts here uh, we almost become babysitting services at points because you'll have anybody from, you know, kids being dropped off from as young as 10 to late teens. And it's just, all right, here's $40. Go buy some fries. Go through twice. I'll pick you up at 10. So, you know, the, the bread and butter for a lot of the haunts here in the States are that teenage group. And, you know, they're, they're the ones which you got to, you know, whatever they're up to, that's that's what you got to aim and promote for. What about in Scotland? What, what age group is coming to a haunt? I mean, I think probably similar to um, to Australia, apart from we were able to open during the pandemic. We moved our haunt. We had a, we were a fully indoor haunt um, and we moved to outside and we used like um, temporary structures open-ended to kind of build the haunt in so we could be an outdoor haunt. And we found it was like, you know, couples in their, you know, uh, late 50s who would usually go out for dinner on a Friday night were coming down to, to Darktober and um, going through anarchy, I may as well called at the time, because there was just nothing open. So we found our audience completely changed during the pandemic. And I don't know what's going to happen this year if we're going to see some of those people come back. Hopefully we will. Um, or if we'll go back to just our um, kind of standard, as you see, maybe like kind of 16 to 25. How long is your season, Carly? Like, is it weekends? or? Yeah, we're weekends. We're uh, Thursday to Sunday, and we run from the end of September till Halloween. Sounds great. Any other questions from the hosts? I'm curious, um, do you normally see, like, an American, like we do what's called a collage haunt. And that is where basically, you know, oh, look, now we're in a laboratory. Oh, now we're in an asylum. Oh, now we're in a clown's room. Or are they more story driven and completely themed? Well, for like our yours. ones in Australia, um, our ones are all themed. So we do three mazes every year. Um, we And we build them all in one big space in the, called the Big Top. Um, and they're all very individually themed. But in the past, when we did our very first maze, we did one called Private Screaming, which was a set in a, um, a movie theater. And so we did scenes throughout that from different movies and things like that. And we're also, we have one this year um, that we're not designing, but it's part of the theme park, which is a very similar one, which is um, um, the Coney Island uh, Picture House. Um, so we're doing some scenes and things through that. But yeah, all our other ones are three, our three main haunts. Uh, we have Rain Dead, which is around the rain killing people. We have Grim, which is a clown anarchist maze. Um, and then we have Decay Mart, which is a zombie supermarket. So all very um, specifically themed. 
Hi. Yeah. Um, we're kind of kind of different. Um, because we've we're a, quite a small theme park. Um, uh, M and D's. It's called with our work. So it's we do one maze, but we've done a, a variety. So our first kind of three years, we did zombie themes. So the first two was like a kind of hospital laboratory base we always start off our haunts with a theatre type experience so um there's a, a story a, a, a set set up story that usually lasts between three and five minutes to really set the scene and get um the background of the story in and then we go on into the maze so yeah the first three years were very themed what um hospital then kind of military theme um and then we went on to um night terror which was based on being trapped in your own nightmares. Um, and that was a proper collage. We just we just researched what um, people's most common nightmares were, recurring nightmares, and then we just flung them all in. And how we did it was we, we kind of, we gassed the audience. So we used uh, a dream gas called uh, dystopia. Um, and uh, that's what we used to, to kind of gas the audience. We used really, really thick, low-lying smoke that rose up, and that's how we, we gassed the audience um, and took them into their, their nightmares. So, yeah, we've done a kind of mix. Cool. So with, with you guys being in areas with so few haunts, do you have trouble um, recruiting and getting people into it and finding people who, oh, wow, this is a thing? Absolutely. We we last year we almost hired everybody that auditioned because we just we just didn't have the numbers coming through the door, especially with pandemic and things. People were not keen to come face to face with other people, even though we were masking everybody. All the guests had to be masked and all the actors were masked. People that like there were there were lots of actors who weren't keen. But we we often get very um, we don't get people from the general community auditioning. We just get people who are tra like trained actors who have got theatre backgrounds and things. So we and. We, we often want to fill loads of different kinds of roles with loads of different kinds of personalities, um, but we often find we get very kind of highly actly actors that come through. So we would love to throw the gamut out to lo like lots of um, all different kinds of people to come and audition for our amazing So if there's any Australian people listening, come and audition mm -hmm. for our uh, auditions are open. Audition, uh, yeah, auditions are open now. Well, we will certainly give you an opportunity to do that at the end of the conversation. So plug away at that point uh any other questions from the hosts i have one if that's okay no yes okay. Go ahead. um so in listening <laughs> to the rest of gsn when you were younger or at a different point was there a scene or movie that you think impacted you as what would be the future haunter you became? Was there a scene, movie, show that you saw that kind of impacted you into choosing or how it manifested or how something came into fruition? Um, well, I worked on them. So that's what kind of became the basis of it. So I've done a, I've been a part of a lot of stunt work with film and TV. Um, I've, I've killed a lot of people on screen. So with that was our base. That was my basis. It wasn't from anything else apart from translating film work into this. It was very similar, very similar art, art designs and things. So it was just, a, it wasn't much of a changeover to work it out, but I just, the first years, I just loved scaring people. I used to stand behind a wall and just throw a chain against it just to 
for fun. See what happens. Just to yeah. see what would happen. It's just, yeah, the experimenting of it as well. Without before we knew knew these guys, the experimenting on what what would work, we we just were kind of flying blind a little bit. So it's and we yeah. only had like one time, like a couple of nights a year to really test it out and see what was working. And then we we're like, oh, that worked and that didn't work. Yeah. And yeah, then we move on next year and kind of try the next things. But um, we both worked on Deadly Women for a while as well. So we killed, we killed a lot of people. Um, yeah. Every every couple of days we were killing people on set. <laughs> so yeah. We, uh, yeah. we were familiar with fake blood a long time before we started this. So. I have to clarify that it was fake and staged. <laughs> yes. I'll just clarify that killing people is perfectly normal in conversations like this. When we say, oh, you've killed a lot of people over the past few years. Uh, that, that works out in haunted house conversations, not, <laughs> not general conversations. I'd say... I just, uh, just wanted to clarify. <laughs> I'd say yeah. mine, um, the Goosebump books, I collected a bunch as a kid. Um, I collected a lot of Goosebump books. And the Haunted Mask was actually one of my favorites. And uh, then they started doing the TV shows. And I remember the Haunted Mask uh, uh, version of the show uh, for Goosebumps. I just loved it. And I actually bought the the VCR tape of that one episode. And I'd watch it a bunch. And I don't know, like... There was just something about like, I, I think that caused me to want to buy a bunch of masks. So my mask collection is pretty, well, for me, I guess, large, uh, not compared to a bunch of other hunters, but you know what I mean? And I, I just, that was probably the earliest uh, thing that I could point to that says, you know what, putting on a mask and scaring somebody uh, that was, uh, I think that starts from goosebumps. Carly? Age difference. I bought, I made my kids watch Goosebumps. So that kind of tells you the difference in the age gap here. <laughs> How about Carly? Um, Carly? Yeah, I used to, I used to get really bad dreams. I think that like um, I had a really overactive imagination. So if like my parents were watching anything that was a little bit scary, then I would dream about it for weeks after and um so I like I knew what I was scared of um I didn't necessarily know if that other people would be scared of the same things because I am such a scaredy cat but um I think like um Scott and Kate were saying just trying different things out um like when you when you've got a fear so if you've got a fear and you, you kind of build a, a room or a scene or a maze around that and then just try different things out and see what what re what reactions you get um is always one of the most exciting parts of kind of haunt building i believe i think i was like you as well carly i used to have a very overactive imagination as well i used to if i used to watch a movie i would dream about it or i would think about yeah. it live in a house with stairs and we used to live next to a, an alleyway so that I always used to be scared that there would be people down the alleyway I used to walk up my stairs at night with a knife behind my back and things I was really scared of the dark and what was out there so I, I'm very much the same as you but was there a in Genesis? London or Australia this was it's... in London so yeah a bit more of wait a minute Kate you once described it was the alley behind your house I have an alleyway that was next to my house and that kind of wound around. And so I would always walk with keys, keys between my fingers. And I would always walk upstairs with like a, like a, one of my house knives behind my back. I was always like prepared. One of your house knives. 
<laughs> One of them. They were Are we sure them. we're not talking about Jill the Ripper here? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Hey, this, this brought up a, another question is, you know, here we have access to a lot of different suppliers for our masks, makeup, animatronics, and things. Where do you get your stuff down there? Are you strictly like old school making everything yourself? Look, we, we order a lot from America and from China and overseas. Yeah, we, we order a lot in. Um, and otherwise, if there's things that we can't get in time, we just have to be creative and yeah. work it out and um, try, means, try different ways of doing things, which is kind of helps the creativity, I think, sometimes. Yeah. And we have to, given that, we have to order very early. So we need to know what we're doing quite early in the year so we can order from America. So We generally yeah. know what we're doing by about yeah. January, February. For the coming year like we have all our stories and all of our kind of mazes worked yeah. out by january february so that we can order everything that we need in time trans world and is I mean, in february this year so mm. yeah. in scotland i mean in the uk that the haunt industry is getting much bigger and there are more kind of uk suppliers now but i think you know for bigger um for bigger props and stuff the the ones that i've seen that i really liked um over the last few years have been from America. Um, but there's loads and loads of like, especially like masks and things like that that you can get from UK suppliers now, which is great. Us even really basic things like blood paint and stuff, we just can't get here. There's lots of really things that I think that um, yeah. like in, in America you take for granted, but we, we just don't have access to any of it. So we just have mm -hmm. to- So what I'm hearing is if a American supplier were to become an exclusive sponsor of the Scottish or Australian haunts and become, and so on. I like just, I'm sorry, I'm just hearing money being made in the distance. I, <laughs> I was going to ask what some of the biggest issues you have overseas with, with building and supplying your haunts, but I guess you just kind of asked, answered that. Um, a question oh. I... I'm not sure if this makes sense or not, but since the Global Scare Network is, was founded a couple of years ago and you guys have been having conversations for the past few years, um, have you seen yourself kind of becoming more, I guess, influenced by each other? I mean, are there some things in Australia that might have a little bit of Pacific Northwest or Midwest or Scotland that you might have not thought of a couple of years ago that you're now trying out in your haunts or you know, or is somebody in the, you know, Pacific Northwest maybe possibly taking a, a cue from Scotland or Australia or otherwise and saying, well, maybe I'll apply this to my, to my haunt or how I think. If that makes any sense. Steal ideas from each other. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, we all share ideas. And I mean, sometimes the, the idea, you can put out an idea and then one of us will take it and kind of change it and tweak it. But it's all just like little seeds of ideas where you think, oh, that could work in my horn. Even if it's nothing that really fits in directly, we're all pulling little bits and bobs from each other. Um, like we, I know that uh, Carly's talked a lot about um, the clown, having a clown, clown, um, the idea of a van with clowns jumping out of it um, to snatch people. And we've kind of directly stolen that idea this year. We've augmented it slightly, but we have, like, we've, uh, we, we took that, the, the kind of base element and then drew from that um, kind of where we're at now with it all. But um, yeah, I think we're all nicking each other's ideas because we're all, um, we're all great. everyone else has great ideas. <laughs> yeah, we don't call it stealing ideas here. We call it being 
influenced. Heavily influenced. Heavily right. influenced. Research R and D. Research and duplicate. <laughs> um, in we. fact, yeah, with the uh, the idea of using the van as the transition that Carly had talked about earlier this year. Um, Scott and Kate's idea of having a DM kind of GM doing the voiceover as your transition to convey the backstory to come uh -huh. into the haunt. There, our meeting notes read like a resource list. Like we actually have a running reading list that we're constantly throwing at each other, books, articles that each other should be reading, resources. Scott was helping me on build uh, some new ideas and designs just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, they're amazing. And Maximus always just has this gentle, soft, very pragmatic approach that just really kind of hits it every time. Yeah, I like the, the chat that you and Scott had on screws the other week and which kinds of screws were the best ones to use and things like that. It's an important like factor. <laughs> and having to convert metric and imperial, of course. <laughs> I mean, I I, just... our, our weekly meetings, I think, are pretty heavily, uh, like, you know, sometimes it's like therapy uh, because, you know, we, we often bring up challenges that we're facing and, um, and that allows everybody to be able to, um, get some feedback on things. Uh, and, you know, we've talked a lot about, like, for example, uh, I think we had a good long conversation once about actor recognition and, and, you know, like awards that actors in different haunts have won. And so like, they've looked at that and, uh, about how that they would, uh, use that to incentivize their actors. And I think we did a panel once on, um, uh, uh trends post COVID, uh, regarding the haunts. And I think of some of the research that was done from that, uh, I think David's applying it to his haunt this year. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just great to be able to have these conversations weekly like we do. And we actually present them to each other, like here, steal this. If there's anything good out of it, for gosh sakes, take it. It's not like we're in each other's markets or anything. <laughs> and even if we were, I think we, there wouldn't be much difference in all honesty, because we want everybody to tell the best damn story possible. No, the story is different as well, even if we share ideas that we, like I said before, we take the seeds of the ideas and we make them into something that suits our individual markets or just suits what we think works best. And um, yeah, I think that it really helps us to um, flesh out and develop the ideas to something completely different anyway they all end up really different my yeah, definitely i totally oh, sorry no go ahead Kim. nope nope nope, nope. <laughs> no i totally agree with katie i mean i think if even if we all did the exact same theme or had the exact same kind of like backstory for our haunts they'd all end up completely different um, just because of the, the way we, we, we run our haunts and the way we put things together and things. Um, my haunt's based in a farm this year and one of the reasons I was so excited to do it was because of all the chats we've had about Scott and Kate's Outback haunt um, and some of the ideas I'll definitely be um, heavily influenced by. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I think, like, I think even if you give us... The, the exact same story, exact same steps, they would all end up completely different just because one of our resources and just how we put them together. It's almost like a recipe. If everybody has the same recipe, everyone's is still going to taste a little bit different because we're all going to put our own little nuances in there. You know, some might like a little more vanilla. Some of us might like a little bit of rum in it. You just never know. So yeah, same recipe, everyone's own influence and, and uh, 
personality is going to definitely make it all different. Bourbon. <laughs> Bourbon. <laughs> Very nice. So what do you guys believe is the, the, the short-term goal that you want for the Global uh, Scare Network over the next couple of years? Is it growing your membership? Is it more networking? Is it more resources? I was hoping David would answer, but he's pointing at me <laughs> or us. Um, I think in the short term, we would like to be able to present at more shows. Um, obviously, with the group as it is, at best, two of us will be physically present at, in the best scenario, and then the other three will be remote. That has introduced some interesting challenges here and there, depending on the convention and uh, where, you know, like what they have available because of sound, like, you know, the, the panel has to hear us, the audience needs to hear the panel, and we need to avoid echoes. So that's all created Time interesting uh, challenges here and there. And, um, but we want to be able to present at more shows. So, I mean, if you're a show out there and you like uh, the global scare network to speak and, and again, like, as we talked about, like we, the five of us gain so much just from each other speaking, but you know, you could give us almost any topic in haunting and we would be willing to share what each of us are doing with that one topic from each perspective that we have. And that's what we feel like we offer uniquely that I don't know any other group that, is able to at this point um not to say and and we're not trying to stay exclusive to the five of us i think we'd like i personally would like to see uh at haunt con when i met david there was a haunt there was a haunt couple from trinidad and tobago i don't know their names i didn't get their names at the time i didn't know that that would be something that i think would add more value to this group i wish i knew who they were so you uh trinidad and tobagan haunts that i met in 2019 in new orleans contact me. I, I, I'd love to speak with you. I really, they were fantastic folk. They really were. Uh, so I think we'd like to expand uh, on that. And so do more shows. And as I mentioned earlier, we were talking about a training module uh, regarding like actor training. Um, so like, if you've kind of noticed, like David is kind of our, our forthright research type guy. He's so research focused. Uh, Carly and Kate are so creative and, 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 uh, you know, the, the like what they're able to come up with and ideas and, and artistic. Um, I'm an actor. I don't I don't run a haunt. Uh, I don't, you know, do uh, any of the managerial stuff that like Carly and Kate can do. And Scott is more of the builder type. He you know, he builds, he fixes, he does all that. So, you know, we're 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 the we're the planet tears. And Maximus is on Haunt. every haunt podcast in the country at least a dozen times and knows everyone in the industry and effectively came out at the beginning of lockdown and did so during a time when no one could travel so pretty damn amazing superpower <laughs> pretty amazing the video he put together for our actors in australia they were all chomping at the bit after watching it they um the, yeah the, the, the knowledge and the skills from maximus is great amazing and because we never give without getting, um, one of the things I would like is, it, it honestly, like when we do a seminar or, or a class, it's not just a class. What we really want is a seminar because we want that feedback afterwards. We don't want to just go, here's our knowledge dump. Here's us telling, you know, our, our clever bon mots and, you know, oh, so amusing anecdotes. And they are freaking amusing. 
the um but we we went back because that's that's the discourse that's you want to that's you you want to hear what other people's thoughts are what their impressions are and so asking the cohorts you can pick but curious when you were younger either like what was your favorite monster or what was one of the biggest things you saw or heard went wrong in a haunt because that is the very nature of a cautionary tale for our industry i think that was directed at the ghosts wasn't it ghosts um go ahead storm oh yeah i was going to i mean mine's mine's the worst because you know uh, i always like mythology mythology and stuff you know with the first name of jason of course i like you know uh jason Voorhees, and always like the loch ness monster so that's a little bit of inspiration as for the cautionary thing i grew up in south jersey in the 80s which meant the um six flags great adventure uh haunt fire where uh, about 14 teenagers i believe died because the emergency exits were locked um, with chains and that type of thing. And then I came to Rhode Island and you have the station fire, which is the other cautionary thing and why your fire inspectors are, are so tough on you. So it's, uh, you know, that type of tragedy is probably one of the hardest for the haunt industry. And then, you know, really followed by safety at a hayride that can go sideways very quickly if uh, you cut corners. So, you know, make sure your owners aren't cutting corners anywhere. Well, I was going to say my biggest influence was being burned at the stake in 1549. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, my biggest influence, again, telling my age, was um, there used to be a sitcom here in the United States called Dark Shadows. And that was my first um, venture when I was, you know, like four or five years old. I remember watching that with my older sisters and just loving the whole creepy vibe and everything else. And, and then growing up through the 70s during the big JC's um, haunted house uh, charity haunts boom and those were you know kind of like the granddaddy of what we're seeing now as as haunted attractions um the same cautionary tales that Storm mentioned I would definitely um always use to, as an illustration to any haunter um on fire safety and things of that nature on a lighter note I would say um idiot proof everything because you will be amazed. You think, oh, well, no one's going to mess with this. Guess what? They're going to. So uh, we, you know, I always make a big deal with my haunt is I make sure and I idiot proof everything. Um, and that's, you know, to protect the, the guests going through, but also me as an owner. And for both your, your actors and your customers. Yes. Do you help Jim? What? <laughs> Inspiration and cautionary tales. Come on. How to tell when the ghosts are not paying attention. Oh, no. I'm paying attention. It's like, I don't have any cautionary tales. I mean, it's like. What's something you heard of or saw go wrong in your hunt or heard of going badly? Uh, well, I don't know. It all depends on how you look at this. Okay. Now, first of all, I don't own a haunt. I owned a haunt briefly, um, but that was a mistake. Um, but I did, I did, and I do own 
a troupe of traveling actors. And Who? I'm sorry. I was going to say, isn't Q line the the biggest thing that they do? There's yeah. there's a couple cautionary tales there. Usually, you know, when they're smuggling in a, a thermos of right. Well, you know, there's those cautionary tales, but uh, I, I didn't get paid to do that. I wasn't security. I was paid to be an actor. <laughs> um, one time we. Uh, we were working, we were contracted by a big haunt in Indiana. And one of my actors now, he's had, I think he's already hit 20 years, but this was like the 17 year mark, 16, 17 years. And this girl and her friends came through, but you know, she's about 14, 15 years old. Uh, and she's one of those girls that's like, well, my daddy's in law enforcement, so you can't touch me, yada, yada, yada. Hate those kind of kids. Absolutely. Well, she wouldn't leave well enough alone. Now, she kept saying that. So Brett, one of our brightest and best, and some others came around and started circling her. But she didn't see Brett. So Brett comes up behind her. I've got other people in front of her. She finally turns around and sees him, immediately drops to the ground. Brett is, his primary character is Bloodzo T. Clown. So she drops down. She goes, I kid you not, catatonic. I was there. Okay. So she's not moving anywhere. Um, one of my other actors runs and runs to get me because I was acting as well. Uh, and they're like, Jim, you need to come over here. So I ran over there. I see this catatonic girl on the ground. And I see Brett, and he's still trying to get to her. I love him for that. He was he was sticking to character. But I said, dude, don't kill her, please. <laughs> um, so I finally got, now I have a picture of him and he's, he's like this on his knees with his arms up. And in the background, you've got an ambulance because this girl went away in an ambulance. She was that scared. And her friends are backstage going, they're sobbing going, oh my God, he killed her killed her i will never forget that day as long as i live and brett the odd thing about brett is he still hasn't won my best actor of the year award that's tremendous drew you've got a pretty global vision and a macro view on haunting what you see as far as influences uh, again, without showing my age, um, I went to Disney World's Haunted Mansion within the first 30 days of its opening at the tender age of, <clears throat> and uh, I still remember going through that. And I remember as a wee lad being petrified of some of the things that were going on. 
because I was rather young at the time. Wow. But all I can remember is getting off the doom buggy at the very end and looking up at my parents and saying, can we go through again? And at that point, I was like, you know, this is kind of a cool thing. And I think that that really indirectly influenced me to enjoy haunted houses. It was the first one I'd ever attended. You know, I went to one at camp when I was like eight. I volunteered or was volunteered to work one at my elementary school when I was 10. That's a story I'll relate at, an, at another time. But um, that's kind of where my influences came from. And I'm sure a lot of people will say, um, how did you become a haunter or what made you love haunted houses? And a lot of people will probably go back and say, going through the haunted mansion at Disney was probably one of the very first memories that people have. Uh, I know many, many people who say that going through the haunted mansion was their very first haunted house it was. because a lot of people go at a very young age. Yep. I agree. That was definitely my first haunted house. So there you go. Closer than you did. Yeah, you did. We, we flew Eastern airlines down there from Raleigh to Orlando. I, I will never forget first time on a plane, all that good stuff. We so. drove about a hundred miles. Ah, you rat. <laughs> it's never that easy for me. As far as cautionary tales, uh, coming from an acting background, I always tell every haunt that I am ever contracted out to train actors, make sure they are trained to handle and expect the unexpected. Because there are people who will go to a haunted house just to mess with the actors. There are people who will go there just to try to steal something, try to break something, try to pick a fight. You know, they've had a bad day at work. They broke up with their girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, whatever. And they just want to take out frustrations. And they see a bunch of people running around with axes and mallets and acting weird. And it's a, usually a very dark and spooky place. And they think they can get away with things. So the safety aspect has to be the most important thing of any haunted attraction. And I always implore owners, please train your actors to be safe, know where emergency exits are, know where first aid kits are, know where security is, and keep a cautionary tale because, you know, queue line actors, you're the first line of defense. If someone's in the queue line and they're intoxicated or under the influence of something, you're the first people that'll normally spot that. And a safe haunt is a haunt that stays open for many, many years. If you get a reputation of being an unsafe haunt, uh, chances are you won't be around that long. There are always exceptions to the rule. But, you know, once people realize that people can get hurt or other at certain haunts, they don't stay in business that long. At least that's from my experience. You want everybody to go home every night. Pretty much. Sometimes we want them to go home a lot sooner than than normal there are some customers i am very happy to true, see go home <laughs> as we tell our actors your job is number one not to become a character in somebody else's drama that's a great line may i be heavily influenced about that and use that at my next training workshop please we're Thank sharing you. that's what friends if, do if only more actors follow that <laughs> ain't that the case 
Leave your drama at school or at home. But um, any other questions for our guests or the hosts? I'm looking at the clock and we need to start winding this down. So if there are no more questions, we first of all wanna thank our guests for being here. This is the part of the show we normally call the plugs. So if you have a haunt that you would like to plug out there literally to the world, what are some websites and some social medias where people can get more information? If you have services you provide, if you do training or if you do consulting or voice work or building services or anything like that, all the websites and everything. And let's start with David up in Portland, Oregon. Tell us about any haunt related products or services you may be involved with and how people can get more information. Well, first and primarily, you need to go to Global Scare Network on our Facebook page, like us and follow us to find out where next we'll be speaking and sharing this global knowledge and experiences that we have also just learned and gained from being on this show. Um, the other projects we do, um, I would recommend uh, Creatures of the Night is our haunt here, and we are at the Clackamas Fairgrounds here in the greater Willamette Valley of Portland, Oregon. And we are doing, again, our ninth year of deep-themed story haunting. And this year it is Knock, Knock, the Twisted Dark History of Halloween. We enjoin you to come to one of the most family-friendly yet customizable haunts in the entire country. The only customizable haunt where you control your level of fear. Um, and also, of course, the resource that we use uh, if you are on the Reddits, uh, Creatures of the Haunt. It's literally just my notebook where I put articles about psychology, ancient history, mythology, sound effects, special effects, cryptozoology, nostalgia, history of Halloween. And if there are things that you know about that you think other haunters know, should know about, please share because it's meant to be an open resource for all of us to tell the story better. I remember and, choose your own adventure books. Now yes, we have oh, a choose your own adventure haunt. Wow. And website creatureshaunt.com. Creatures haunt because we are all Creatures of the night. I almost wish I had gone with you last to end on that note, but we want to talk to our other guests. Carly, uh, for people in Scotland, England, Ireland, Wales, any place, if they're going to be in your area during the time your haunt is open, what kind of information can they get on websites or social medias if you have that information handy? We sure do. So, um, Darktober at MND's on Facebook and Instagram, or scotlandstheampark.co.uk, um, the website that can book tickets through that. Uh, and my company's called Stagecraft Entertainment. Uh, the website's just stagecraftentertainment.co.uk. You can find some of the thing, other things we do there. So instead of .com, it's a .co.uk. So yeah. I, I hear that a lot when I listen to BBC broadcasts. So there you go. <laughs> uh, Scott and Kate, where can people get more information about your haunt down in the Sydney area of Australia? So we design our haunts as part of our own company, Fractal Creative. So you can find Fractal Creative on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I think we're just forward slash 
Fractal Creative AU. Yeah, Fractal Creative AU on both platforms. Um, and we design our haunts for Luna Park, Sydney. Um, our event this year is Hello Scream X. And if you want to find out about the event, um, you just need to go to uh, www.halloween.sydney. Um, and that's our URL for that. So you can find out all about that. And as I mentioned earlier, um, it would be wonderful if um, we could have a wide array of people auditioning for our haunt this year. We want to have all sorts of people um, scaring, uh, scaring our guests. So if you are interested in working as an actor um, and scaring the living daylights out of people, please come and audition. Um, auditions are in September. Aussies and Kiwi, go be in the haunt. <laughs> come scare people with us very nice and of course we want to wrap this up with our very good friend and newly engaged maximus bryant where can people get more information about the haunt you'll be working at which is a rather famous one and any other things you would like to plug well uh you will find me at the dent schoolhouse in cincinnati ohio um you should uh see somebody that might have the same shape as me running around up front in an orange outfit. So, you know, go say hi to that guy. I think he might be uh, um, taking some pumpkins and smashing them. So uh, starting September 16th and running through November 5th, uh, come out to the Dent Schoolhouse. Um, any haunter out there? Uh, September 29th is our haunter night. Come wearing a haunt shirt your haunt uh, gear, whatever, and you get a discounted ticket. That's the last Thursday in September. Uh, so come see us at the Dent Schoolhouse. Uh, if you're from Ohio, want to join the Ohio Haunters Association Facebook group, just give it a join. Uh, Global Scare Network, mention, get the Facebook page going. And uh, there's my lovely fiance behind me. And uh, yeah, Carly McCarthy, I love you. Love you. <laughs> oh. Oh, sweet. <laughs> and, and again, we want to offer our sincere congratulations on the soon-to-be happy couple. I'm, I'm sure they're happy now, but they'll be even happier in the future. So please keep us updated on all your wedding plans, and I can only imagine what the uh, bachelor party is going to be like if you get a bunch of haunters involved. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Well, anyway, that. <laughs> We could not do this without our wonderful hosts, including Storm. Haunter discount night is awesome. More haunts need to do that. And also tonight, I, I got to say, Carly's um, uh, origin story is, is one of my favorite. Accidentally becoming a haunter. I, I'm sure that's happened to some of us there. You, I, I went into the garage. I fell into a vat of PVC pipe, wine, and uh, old paint, and now I'm a haunter. That's tremendous. That would make a good origin story for some character out there. Also couldn't do this without the illustrious Meat Hook Jim. Maximus. Run. <laughs> do not do this. Oh, come on. Like, <laughs> don't, she's don't pretty nice. To the grumpy old man. <laughs> she's, she's really... <laughs> See, now she can hear you. <laughs> I'm like looking at catering stuff. <laughs> are, you, are you looking at caterers? They probably stop. Oh, stop. Venue. 
Oh, see, that's a big question. Are, 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 are you doing a haunt-themed wedding? I remember when I first was going with my girlfriend, now my wife, you know, she's seeing pictures of my haunt friends, and one of them got married at the uh, um, uh, prison over there in Ohio. And it's a beautiful wedding and stuff, but she goes, do we got to get married in a prison? I don't know. No, no, no. I respect... Don't have to go. I respect the haunt season and Halloween so much that I'm going to keep my wedding, her wedding, away (laughs) from. I'm a. We're going to stay away from it. No. So completely Star Wars theme. (laughs) (laughs) It it might be Thanksgiving theme. Star Wars wedding before. Rebecca. (laughs) I got married. I got married on Halloween. Getting married in a prison. What a metaphor. Anyway, couldn't do this also without Jonna, a.k.a. the old crone. Hi. Um, I want to challenge Carly. Since I can do a Scottish medieval haunt, I challenge her to do an Ozark hillbilly haunt next year. Oh, wow. Do we need to do the accents? Well, of course you got to do the accent. Otherwise, it's not any fun. Well, okay then. I'll try. <laughs> Love it. Wow. Just recreate Boggy Creek too. Just, just you know, scene <laughs> for scene for your haunt. You're all set. She must. She must be in Southern Scotland. Mm. <laughs> I'm heavily is- influenced by that line. <laughs> My name is Drew Badger, and you're listening to the Roundtable of Terror. And I just have a little bit of advice for Meat Hook Jim: buy a clip-on bow tie. You'll know what I'm talking about. This is the Roundtable of Terror here on the Big Scary Show. All right. Um, before we do shout-outs, are you talking about Friday night? I'm talking about you couldn't get your bow tie tied. No, you were having Chris tie your tie. You know, they make clip-on bow ties that are very, very clip nice. Clip-on one anyway, so, you know, they can't do a pull <laughs> or something on it. Yeah? Safety, safety first. Safety uh, in the ring. Nobody at the biker bar gets more than the guy with the bow tie. Let me tell you something, Drew. <laughs> I'm glad she couldn't tie it because it was hot in that freaking arena. <laughs> For those of you sure. that don't know me, I do ring announcing professional for professional wrestling. Hey, hey, Badger, maybe we should yeah. cut an ad, slip it into the show, asking Ooh. you know audience members or our, our listeners to them send in their best bow tie for Meat Hook to wear in the ring. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> Did uh, it come off or <laughs> uh, it was one of those you have to tie and I can't tie it, and usually Chris ties it for me. Uh, and she couldn't tie it because she was trying. It's like it's just like I, I don't have time. Just put it away. At least he didn't go full lounge singer with it untied around his neck without the <laughs> oh, no, sport I, jacket and the ring. I almost did that, but you you need to get a bolo tie and then start wearing a big old cowboy hat, and then you can start you know being like Colonel Robert Parker or something. Dude, you taking Hank Travis's gimmick? I thought Hank was retired. See, we tried to act Hank. like educational consultants, so hence why David uh, drops a link uh, for education. So, you know, staying in true fashion to our goals. We would expect no less. Passion is what drives
Everybody, Drew Badger here. We are live at Midsummer Scream, and all the cool kids are walking around, coming by the booth, checking us out. We're answering a lot of questions. Had a woman come up to the booth and say, "Tell me about your podcast." And I told her about the podcast, and she says, "Well, we do a TV show." And I was like, "Have a seat." But she brought her producer instead. It's a show called Halloween Obsessed. It's out on the Tubi Network on Roku and other places. And they talk about various things. They hit their first show is about witches, and they're bringing out a show about haunted attractions and paranormal coming to soon. I've got Linda Palmer here. How are you? I'm great, Drew. How are you? Oh, we are fantastic, if not a little tired after being here and meeting with thousands and thousands of people. It is crazy busy. I cannot believe it's nonstop people. It, you know, usually Sundays are the slowest days, and I can't tell the difference between this and Friday because Friday was nonstop. Yesterday was unbelievable. Today is, again, just nonstop. Yeah. We were, you know, we're talking about our show, obviously, letting people know, oh, go watch it on Tubi, go watch it on Amazon. And literally, the hallway is full. The hallway is full. And, you know, we were doing a contest to just kind of, like, uh, tell people about the show and get them to sign up to win a free, like, gift card. And we have so many. We're like, this is crazy. We ran out of all of our paperwork. Well, that's a horrible problem to have it in is. a show like this. It is. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about Halloween Obsessed. This is obviously about the Halloween industry, which is ironically about what we do. Right. But your first show is about witches. It's a TV show. It's not a podcast. You guys have hit the big time. We're, we're still small fry. But tell us a little bit about how it came to fruition. How did you pitch it? How did you say... You know, I think we need to do a TV show about Halloween. Okay, so really what it is is it's a docu-series. And uh, during COVID, my husband and I were both producers. We decided that we would look at something, a different kind of uh, storytelling other than narrative because we've been doing features and short films and all that for a while. So we bought some equipment. We bought a Blackmagic camera. We bought, you know, some sound equipment. We started editing on Premiere. And our first episode was The Misconception of Witches. And uh, two of our partners are practicing witches. So it's uh, really cool. It's got two solitary witches, one cottage witch, and one shaman talking about their craft, about how they got into it, the lifestyle, and really sort of dispelling the myths about witches. So they're really not just walking around with black pointy hats and brewing up eyes of newt and things like that? Well, they do have the black pointy hats. <laughs> Oh, thank goodness! That stereotypes alive and well. <laughs> no, no, they they do have hats, and they and they do fly, and they do create magic. <laughs> we will talk off air about that. I'm sure. <laughs> yes, we will. No, no, no. There's a there's a lot of misconceptions, obviously, but but uh, you know, I had a I had a um, practicing witch of 30 years who runs a witches group of 3,500 people in Georgia, and. When I told him about it, he's like, you know, a lot of people pitch me on, like, modern-day witch documentaries and stuff like that, and, and I'm a little hesitant about it. Sometimes, you know, it's a little cringy watching them. He goes, but honestly, after watching yours, it is the best explanation of what our lifestyle is. And if anyone ever asks me what witches do, what they're like, I'm going to recommend your movie. Well, there you go. And, you know, it's... Uh 
it's interesting that there's a group of 3,500 witches in the state of Georgia, which is not known for being, you know, witch-friendly, for lack yeah. of a better word. You know, um, I'll, tell, I'll tell you something unusual that happened. When we first started putting it out, um, I went on Meetup, <laughs> and I'm, like, just looking up witch groups, right? So I start reaching out to these witch groups saying, hey, we're creating this docu- docu-series, and, it, you know, it's about witches and whatever and and so I said would you like to see it and it was free on Vimeo for us that was when we first did it and then when it came out on Tubi I reached out again I reminded them hey I'm that producer that did this thing and it's now on Tubi and actually we had so many people that were interested in watching it sharing it with their groups and a lot of them have groups from you know some are small like 50 60 70 but there are many with thousands of riches witches in them and the, and, next show, and the next show you've got coming out soon is about Haunted Attraction? Yes, the Haunted Attraction one is really, really awesome. It's so energetic, right? You think of a documentary be kind of slow and not really that exciting, but because of, the, because of all the footage from all the haunts across America that we got, it's so visually stunning to watch, right? And, and then really what it discusses is from yard haunting to big giant professional haunting on the level of like theme parks just like our show talks about yeah yeah so that's what this that is fascinating to watch. yeah and then the next one coming um in december is living with the paranormal those are people that are like psychics mediums um psychic profilers paranormal investigators and it's really about how they can't turn it off like it's always with them and how they deal with that are you still looking for people for these shows, or have they already been completed and they're just now in post? So uh, the first two are completed, which is obviously, and Haunted Attractions is coming out in October. Uh, Paranormal will come out the end of the year, so it's in post. And then we're doing, we're doing one every three months, and we're tackling different topics. Uh, the next topic that will come out in early 2023 is on Hallow Weddings, people that get married on Halloween. Um, or that live a significant Halloween lifestyle. And then we also have one on horror fascination. And another one. What's our other one on, Christy? Horror fascination. Yeah, there was another one, though. Now I can't remember. <laughs> That's okay. I'm sure by the time this airs, we'll figure that out. Right, right. <laughs> So for people who want to learn more about this, maybe they know somebody who's had a Halloween wedding and wants to get involved in this, or just where can they find this show, Halloween Obsessed? Uh, you, you said it was on Tubi, and are there websites or social medias where maybe somebody can apply for the, be absolutely. a part of this and all that, social medias and websites, what are those? Yeah, absolutely. The best thing to do is to go to our production company website, which is runawayproductions, with an S, dot TV, and then on that page... Uh, there's a Halloween Obsessed tab. Click that, and all of our social is there. And, and actually, you can click any one of our movie posters, and that'll go to watch it. Excellent. Well, check out Halloween Obsessed. They're talking about Halloween attractions coming out in October. The one about the misconception of witches is already out. So go see that on Tubi. And thank you so much for taking thank the time you, to speak Drew, to us really on the Big Scary it. Show. Once again, folks, my name is Drew Badger, and we're here at Midsummer Scream in beautiful Long Beach, California, and we're out. Here come the mummies, mummies. creeping on the Big Scary Show.
Association. We are working with haunters across the state, from home to pro, to strengthen the Ohio haunt community. Open to all owners, actors, makeup artists, prop builders, designers, and Halloween paranormal enthusiasts. The Ohio Haunters Association, where haunting is the heart of it all. Look for us on Facebook. darkest regions of the earth. This is A Haunt Minute. And now, with this week's commentary, Storm. Alright, so while reading up on what's coming up this year, 
for some attractions and, and the new season, I came across the event that happens down in Florida at Gatorland. Oh, yay, Gatorland. Let's feed some gators. And they have a Gators, Ghosts, and Goblins event that happens every October. And I was, you know, watching through it, you know, kept checking out some YouTube and stuff. Great little event, mostly geared towards kids and something that fits into the park's, you know, whole setup. But they also have a train ride, and they increase the um, experience of uh, Gators, Ghosts, and Goblins by letting you become a cryptozoologist on the train ride. Yes, that's right. If you find the eight cryptids, take pictures of them, bring it to their cryptozoologist after the train ride, they will give you a certificate of cryptozoology. That's right. You can get certified as a cryptozoologist for doing this little event at Gatorland. A great, uh, uh, you know, we get that. We get the whole thing. It's haha funny but you know there's an opportunity we're probably missing out on as haunts we we should be certifying stuff too you know one of the things i work with with haunt owners and operators is you know they get upset that they pour in so much into the backstory into your event and everything well certify your people as 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 ghost chasers that's right have them take an online quiz or something they can just print out a certificate oh i'm a certified fear of the domain 2022 ghost chaser Ooh, you know little things like that at the very least you can you know have them take pictures up in your queue and you know certify people as a meat shield so think about it let's get some certifications going have a lot more fun with your uh you know backstory and and everything going on with your theme this year and uh you know add a little couple dollars to it with a certificate until next time keep every minute scary Tune in next episode for another Haunt Minute. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com. Spewing its poisonous venom over the earth, only one force dared stand up to its overpowering evil. Godzilla. See Godzilla versus the Smog Monsters. Two monsters battling for the domination of the earth. Godzilla versus the Smog Monsters. An American International Pictures release in color, rated G. Godzilla versus the Smog Monsters. The battle for life on earth. Time for Ask the Old Crone. <laughs> I'm sitting here with the owners, Tracy and Sherry Mavis. They are the proud owners of a brand new haunted attraction in Wichita, Kansas called 13 Sinister Souls. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing great. Now, I just toured this fabulous, fabulous haunt. And I tell you what, guys, I am blown away. The detailing, uh, the scene work, the painting, everything is just great. How long have you guys been working on this? Four years. Four years, yep. We bought the building in 2018 and uh, took out all the existing structure and stuff that was here and started from there. So. Okay. 
Now, I think, now, we met back in 2019 at Transworld, mm -hmm. and I think your plan was to open in 2020, wasn't it? 2021. Oh, okay. Our original plan was, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was but then plan. we wound up getting COVID, so that kind of slowed us down and had a few other issues to mm -hmm. deal with. But okay. So we're about a year behind. About a year behind, but still, every single year that you guys have put into this is going to come back to you tenfold because, the, like I said, the detailing and everything is great. So if someone wanted to know something unique about this haunt, I mean, just tell us like the backstory and what this haunt is about. Okay. So Cherry and I started working in haunts together about 12, 13 years ago. And we both liked it so much um, that we went and did it with a friend of ours who owned them. And then when that friend stopped doing them, we kind of had to figure out some other thing to do. So we actually started wearing costumes and going down to a College Hill area here in Wichita to scare people and have fun on Halloween night. But we kept talking about doing a haunt ourselves. But then we started going to the Trans World show. And once we went there, we're like, okay, we really got to get into this because it is a cool thing to do. So we talked about it. We started looking for buildings. We probably spent three, maybe four years looking at various buildings to find the right one. Um, had to have a, a fire hydrant close by, had to have certain criteria to meet city codes. Anyway, we finally found this building and it worked for everything we wanted, so we bought it and started gutting it and then built everything you're seeing today. So how many square feet is it? About 10,000. About 10,000. And what are your projections for your first year? Um, if we hit 5,000 people come through, we're going to be happy. We'd like to get in that seven to 8,000 range, but you know, 5,000 is, is what we're kind of shooting for. Mm -hmm. If we can get more, that's great. But uh, being that we're new and we have to get everyone um, to know where we're at and what we're about, yeah, it'll probably take us a little while, but 5,000 is what our first year goal is. I, I tell you what, I think once the word is out about you guys, you're going to be hitting probably double digits on that pretty soon within a year or two. I hope so, yeah. Yeah. So it is great. Now, Sherry, one of the things I was just really blown away by was the artwork in these rooms. Just the detailing and just the magnificent artwork. How did that come about? Um, well, myself and a couple friends of mine are artists. Um, they're probably a little better than I am, but you know, we're just, and being artistic, you kind of tend to be a little more detailed than you should be sometimes. And uh, so, you know, as we went through each room, I mean, obviously there's some rooms that we're going to need more artistic work than others, like the clown room, which is extremely um, artistic in there as far as what we've done. It took us probably, I'm guessing, four or five months for us to even finish that room. Oh, wow. Yeah, it took quite some time. Um, but, you know, just being artistic and, you know, it's just, we put the fun into doing those rooms because mm -hmm. we are artistic and we wanted to make them look, you know, when, when people come through, even though they may not really look at the art as far as, wow, that's really detailed, that I think some areas they are going to be like, wow, that's really cool, you know, and hopefully that'll be stuff that they'll remember too when they leave. Well, I have learned, and you could ask almost any haunter, that you can't scare everybody. You're always going to get those people who just really like looking at the atmosphere, and right. they're going to be extremely appreciative. You're also going to get those people who have their heads buried in their best friend's back because they don't want to see anything, and they yeah. think that protects them somehow. Yeah. But it's, it's going to be great. I think you guys are going to have a wonderful turnout. You guys have 
planned everything really well as far as your egresses, you've done all of your safety work, you've gone through your fire inspections and all of that stuff, and um, you, you know how critical making sure you have everything going before day one is great. But there's always going to be those you don't know what you don't oh, yeah. know. Yep. Um, so I would, one bit of advice is be flexible. Be flexible, be ready to react to things, you know, that you didn't expect and stuff. Yeah, we know that there's going to be things that you just can't plan for. Yeah. But if anybody is in Wichita, Kansas or near the Wichita, Kansas area, how would they find out about you? Well, they could Google us, 13 cents for souls. Um, we also have a lot of social media platforms, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Uh, Facebook, yep, so they could look at that follow us on Facebook and they'll get all the updates as we get our opening date set and then as we add things to it over the years we'll leak some of that kind of stuff out for people to view ahead of time. Yeah and I could definitely tell that you guys are not in this uh, going in saying hey we're just going to do this for a couple of years make a quick buck and get out. This is something you guys are really wanting to pursue for a long-term way of life because it is a way of life isn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah we'd like to own it you know at least a decade Mm -hmm. At least that long. Yeah, and there's other things. You know, in the future, obviously, we'll change and update, or it'd be nice to add on. That would be great. Um, you know, because I want a spook house needs to be not just scary, but it also needs to be fun. Yes. You know, when people leave, you know, you want them to be scared, but you also want to go them to go. Oh, that was so much fun. You know, we should tell our friends and we can go again. You know, that kind of mm -hmm. a thing. We don't want that to say, we don't want to come back, so it's just scary. Exactly. Once you get a, a fan from a haunted house, you've got them for life. Yeah. And that's that's awesome. Okay, well, really proud of you guys. Really impressed with what you're doing. I want to wish you the very best of luck. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Drew Badger here. We are live at Midsummer Scream, having a grand old time. This gentleman came up to the booth, said he had an interesting story and some very interesting things to talk about, and I said, have a seat. So I got Frank here. He is with the Lakeside Trail of Terror down in Lakeside, California. It is a haunted attraction that COVID kind of took out, and they're coming back. They're not coming back this year. They're coming back next year, but there's a charity element involved with it. It's a really good cause. Frank, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm great to be here. Uh, you, you, you look great. You got the whole voodoo witch doctor kind of theme going on here with lots of bones and skulls on your hat and all that. Love the cane. And uh, how's the show been for you? I, I know you've been wandering around a little bit. What what are, what are your thoughts? So far, it's been amazing. Um, just to be able to network with media groups like you and find a lot of different things that is going to benefit us in our uh, haunted trail is just you know phenomenal. Well, tell us a little bit about the Lakeside Trail of Terror. You said you started a few years ago. COVID kind of ended it for a while. You're coming back. And uh, tell us what it's all about and who are you benefiting and all that. Well, so we started in 2019. We, it started out as a fundraiser for the Lakeside River Park Conservancy. Lakeside River Park Conservancy manages the walking trails, the San Diego Riverbed, and many other you know, areas in that aspect of East County and down in San Diego. And so we started out, we created the uh, Lakeside Trail of Terror, and we did a Wild Wild West theme. I was able to gain a lot of people to come in to be scare actors, a volunteer, and we did a pretty good substantial amount for the uh, organization. Since COVID hit, took us out for the past two years. This year, there's some uh, things that are going on that we got to pause for this year. But we're guaranteed we're coming back in 2023. And what we're doing this year is we're going to work on, um, in February, I'm pl planning it out, 
waiting to find the venue, but we're going to do a Valentine's-type haunted ball as to bring up some additional money so we can cover the cost for the 2023 uh, show. And we're going to launch uh, October 21st and 22nd and 28th and 29th, and we're bringing Curse of the French Quarter down to the Lakeside Trail of Terror. It sounds like it's going to be a, a spooky bit of fun. Now, now, what is this charity that you're benefiting, and how does that help the community? So with the Lakeside uh, River Park Conservancy, like I said, they maintain the walking trails and the San Diego Riverbed. If somebody didn't maintain that, we would have overgrowth. We would have, you know, vegetation. We would have homeless, you know, camping out in the areas. And everybody loves to go out and go walking. And they have a walking trail that is phenomenal, keeps it nice and clear. Go out there, exercise, and get involved and help out within the community and keep everybody engaged. And being Southern California, pretty much everybody I've seen here today is just, you know, beautiful and healthy and fit. You know, there's a a lot of people that walk and skate and bike and paraglide, whatever, all that cool stuff. So it sounds like it's something that absolutely benefits the folks in the San Diego area. Yes, it does. And it's fully outdoors, dirt trail. Um, so it's it's not ideal. You know, you can go ride a bike on it, but it's meant to go out there and walk. And there's a, a certain portion that's got an outlook over area that it goes over to some of the water. And there's actually an eagle's nest out there that oh, you nice. can view and see as well. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a, a lot of spooky fun coming next year. Yes. So are you looking for volunteers? Are you looking for sponsors? Are you looking for people to get, help get involved either with the planning for next February and your, your costume ball and your haunted ball or with uh, next year in the uh, venue itself? I am looking for all of that because whenever we started out, I had it was basically was me running everything, getting all the volunteers and things like that. And one guy can't run a haunted attraction. So and especially when it's an outdoor event, there's a lot more moving parts than you do have in the indoor. You got to run wiring, electricity, you got to run generators, you can run the smoke machines, and all those natures. So, if, and especially funding is a big thing in the haunt industry. So, if anybody's willing to sponsor, that would be great. Keep in mind what is happening this year, uh, next year, is after we pay the scare actors, whatever money is left over is getting donated right back to that Lakeside River Park Conservancy. So, we're giving everything back to make sure that they can continue on with their mission. So it sounds like it's a great cause. It benefits everybody down there who enjoys getting out into nature and hanging out and walking and biking and all that great stuff. So for people who want more information, maybe they want to help sponsor if you're a local business. Maybe there's somebody who's like, hey, you know, I'd, I'd like to get involved as an actor or maybe as a makeup artist or maybe as a set designer or even a carpenter or something like that. How can they get more information? Are there websites, emails where they can contact you or other? Yeah, they can go to our website, lakesidetrailofterror.com. The main email is info at lakesidetrailofterror.com. And we're on all, mostly all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Lakeside Trail of Terror. And one thing I will want to mention about this trail is it's not your average uh, trail. We, it is fully outdoors. And when you start to the time you finish and get back to your vehicle, you're going to be walking .666 miles. That, that is a, a very interesting number. I'm sure some people will get a kick out of that. And when you told me you did that, it was completely unplanned. You, you walked the trail, you started here, you measured it, and it turned out 0.666 miles. That's a good sign if I've ever heard one for somebody to come out and work a haunted trail. Yes, it is. <laughs> 
Well, Frank, I wish you nothing but success with that. Once again, folks, lakesidetrailofterror.com. If you want to get involved with this, this is down in the greater San Diego area. Lake County, is that? East County? East, East County. East County San in Diego that area. County, but East County. Absolutely. So good luck with that. Once again, folks, lakesidetrailofterror.com. My name is Drew Badger for the thebigscaryshow.com here at Midsummer Scream, and we're out. In 1897, Dr. Alexander Hammond arrived at an institution for the criminally insane, only to discover the unsolved murders of several guards. Drivers, where are we? Jerry Vane takes you into Black Moon Asylum, a twisted abyss of torment, madness, and the horrifying mystery of Patient 292. Time for your medication. Moon Asylum, a symphonic journey into darkness from instrumentalist Jerry Vane. Download Black Moon Asylum at jerryvane.com, iTunes, cdbaby.com, Amazon MP3, and your favorite download site. Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. We're here at Midsummer Scream hanging out in the Hall of Shadows, one of my favorite places to be. All the cool haunts and Yard displays, decorations out here. It's dark, it's scary. Just delightful here. And I see that uh, this great place here called Santa Ana Haunts. I wanted to go check this out, and I got to manage to get a hold of the guy Chewy here that runs this thing. Chewy, this is a Santa Ana Haunt. It's pretty impressive, and yet you're a home haunter. You're not a professional haunter, that so to speak. Correct. That is correct. I've been haunting for about 11 years now, so since I was 18, I started with uh, The Empty Grave. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They've, uh, they've had displays out here, I believe. It's uh, no, 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 no. That's not who I'm thinking uh, of. No, it was probably Scarlet before this started. Yes. So we, they were out there. Um, I was with Mike Tellerico, the owner of Empty Grave, for about five, six years. Um, right when he left over to, um, I believe it's now, I, I might be wrong with the state, but it's Utah or somewhere out there. Um, Everything's west from here. Yeah, and so he, he moved out to Utah, and, you know, I was bummed out. But anyways, the next year I went to Not Scary Farm for a couple of years. I actually auditioned at uh, Queen Mary. I got the uh, Iron Master when they had Intrepid, I think it was. Anyways, um, I was at uh, in Ghost Town for two years, and then I went over to Boomer's Haunt for a couple of years as their creative director, quote-unquote, you know. And that's where I got a lot of my crew. Uh, 2020, when the pandemic hit, um, I decided to do a yard display that turned into a small little open format display, which was a, like a huge, a, a horseshoe-shaped maze. Sure. And uh, we saw a lot of good response. I went bigger and crazier for 2021, and we got a lot, uh, about 1,500 people for in about six days. That's impressive. So it's about 300, 400 people a night average. Yeah. And how big is the display you have out here in the Hall of Shadows? Uh, the maze is actually about 768 square feet. And, and how does that compare to what you'll have actually in October? So it's a very it's a very interesting way to compare it because here it's only like about a two minute maze, but it's a squared maze. At my and I do I do the maze at my dad's house. He, well, I'm fortunate enough for him to let me borrow his house to do it. Because I live in an apartment with my family, and yeah, it would be impossible to do it there. Yes, it would. Anyways, we wrap around the house. Okay. So it's also a U-shape, but you're doing a lot of twists and turns. I started uh, on the on the front of his door, kind of on, on the left caddy corner, so he can park his work trucks. And then, yeah, we just wrap all around the house. So that could be up to like 1,500 square feet. How long does it take to walk through? That one's about five, six minutes. Okay. So it's still for the kids who are out there trick-or-treating or something, they can come through this thing, and then it's not like they're taking 45 minutes to an hour to wait in line and go through they and are. all that. Yes, our lines go crazy. 
<laughs> so last year we had a show at the beginning to get you set up for it and unfortunately it was about an hour an hour and a half oh wait. wow yeah but people loved it like uh my neighbors are always telling me come back come back like don't ever move anywhere else and <laughs> i mean to we come to the point have you gone through it not yet Get so when you go through it, you'll probably notice that we're kind of going to the verge of a pro haunt. I mean, like Pirates Cave is down the street from us. and We're not down the street, but they're like 15 minutes away from us, and they're freaking amazing. Like, you guys, they should do something bigger, you know? So I'm thinking big for this. But uh, for now, we're, we're, I'm happy being a home haunt, and we're free. We yep. don't charge. Can't argue with that. Is there a website, social media, or anything where people can maybe see a walkthrough or pictures or anything and so, find out the date you'll be open? If you go onto YouTube and search Santa Ana Haunt, uh, you'll see a lot of uh, great um, YouTubers that actually came through a haunt and uh, and, and uh, they, they posted their professional videos. I unfortunately am horrible at that. My fiance gets <laughs> mad at me all the time. She goes like, dude, you never take video. I have literally like six photos from last year. And I have one photo from this, from Midsummer Scream because I'm so bad at taking documenting. I, I just don't have time, you know, with interviews, with getting the lighting together, getting the actors together. Almost impossible. So go on YouTube, search the Santa Ana Haunt. The Walker Chronicles has a great video that they put on there. Uh, Real Family Adventures has a real great video, too, from last year. And they also put a uh, behind-the-scenes little thing that I gave them. Um, and if you want to get stay up to date with any of our dates for this year, go on to Instagram, at Santa Ana Haunt. And you'll see all the information there. That's where I'm more active. Well, that's fine. So go to Instagram, look up Santa Ana Haunt, and you're going to find everything you need to know about Santa Ana Haunt. Looks like it's going to be bigger and better than ever, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This got this. This is like us dipping our toes into the water, <laughs> and we already got a bunch of crazy ideas for the season this year that we want to, you know, take bigger. Um, this might be the end of Shades of Hell, which is the maze that we're doing now. This is our third year doing Shades of Hell. Um, next year might be something different. Sounds like a plan. Well, true, I wish you nothing but success with this, and uh, maybe one day we'll be seeing Santa Ana haunts on the professional side as opposed to just the home haunt. But in the meantime, we're here in the Hall of Shadows here at Midsummer Screen. My name is Drew Badger for The Big Scary Show, and we're out. Raising Hell, Terror Television, from Musics from HorrorPunks.com, Volume 3, on The Big Scary Show. Black Lagoon Leather freaking chicks So fast in your ears
dress up your show? Need to pump new life into old props? Just want to show something no one else has? Do what Alice Cooper, Distortions Unlimited, and A-list haunters all over the world do. Wear Von Karen. Durable, handcrafted, dependable, year after year. Von Karen. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Von Karen.com. V-O-N. C-H-A-R-O-N dot com. What happens to Nancy and Sheila in the mansion of the doomed is so horrifying, we can't even hint at it on this radio station. Mansion of the doomed is so shocking, it will never appear on television. Some films you see, some you feel. You'll feel Mansion of the Doomed. You'll never forget Mansion of the Doomed. As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screamline Studios. Creepy Collection. Dark Imaginings. Fright Finder. Haunt Pay. Von Caron Productions. And VFX Creates. We'd also like to thank Virgil Franklin, Master of the Ether Muse. And we couldn't do this without the three ghosts, including Badger, Haunt Consulting and more, rabidbadger.org. Meat Hook Jim, check out his other podcast at wrestlehorror.com. And Storm, Rants and more, hauntminute.com. And finally, you, the listener. Without you, we are nothing. The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves.